1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So House Speaker Mike Johnson took to the floor yesterday to offer an extended speech on border security uh important in this time because you need a House Republican response to the pressure coming from Beltway media Senate Republicans who are intent on surrendering uh not to mention the White House oh, come to the table bipartisan compromise negotiate in good faith all of these things well uh Johnson sort of reframed where we're at and provided some more detail to one of the talking points you've heard from House Republicans for the better part of the last couple weeks, which is uh, on the topic of the 64 specific actions Biden took per his executive power to weaken border security, to reverse a number of the policies that were advanced, again, by executive authority under President Trump. And therefore, of course, the obvious uh, point is, well, he, he still retains that executive power to reverse his reversals in the direction of border security. So uh, just, you know, again, framing where we're at as these numbers are bandied about and where we have been at under the big guy, Mr. 10%, President Biden.
2: Here's a short list. From Texas to New York, waves of illegal immigrants are now overwhelming our communities. Just since the time I was elected speaker, less than a hundred days ago, more than 700,000 illegals have been welcomed into our country Illegally by the Biden administration. American school children have been forced into virtual schools. Why? So migrants can sleep in their school buildings. Korean War veterans of the U.S. have been booted from nursing homes that were sold to house migrants. Our streets are being flooded with fentanyl. Hundreds of thousands of children and adults are being poisoned and losing their lives. Vulnerable children and women are being exploited and trafficked by cartels, and that's happening even within our borders. The fallout goes on and on and on, and I am here this morning to beg of my colleagues to help us force the administration to take action. We have to stop this now and put Americans and Americans' border security first. 312-642-5600,
3: turnkey.pro, answer line 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment.
0: One of the important points that uh, is made and needs to be made repeatedly, uh, where he was talking about, uh, you know, the the high-profile incident in New York at that uh, high school where students from the neighborhood are displaced for migrants, uh, Korean War veterans, as he's describing at a, a... Uh, Being displaced. So the point here is um, not just sort of generically, we have this problem and we're going to talk 700,000 and 1.8 million gotaways and all these numbers being bandied about. But the um, number one, make it tangible, make it human costs, fentanyl overdoses and the sex trafficking and so forth. Uh, But also understand that your government is prioritizing people from foreign lands who've entered this country facilitated by your government illegally. They're prioritizing those individuals over you, the taxpaying American citizen. It's just a simple sort of fundamental fairness point, but it needs to be repeated so that it really, I think, resonates and um, sticks with people is my sense of it. Now, that doesn't uh, absolve House Republicans of doing more than just detailing what has transpired over the last three years or, as you heard from Speaker Johnson, just since he's taken the speakership. But, um, but the messaging and the making of the argument, that is part of the job of the congressional Republican leadership. And since you're not going to get it from the Senate, I mean, not from Senate leadership, you'll get it from individual Republican senators – Uh, It's important that the House fill that gap. It's also important that the House uh, fly in formation with, uh, you know, the Republican presidential nominee de facto. That would be one former president, Donald Trump, wouldn't it? So uh, Johnson uh, continued. So now pulling back. I mean, again, some of what he described there just since he took the speakership. Right.
3: Well, one thing that he missed is what's going on in Denver And it's so bad that even NBC Nightly News covered the story regardless. I mean, they did do it on a Friday, but it was last Friday. They interviewed the principal of a school, Dan, who he's overwhelmed. He normally gets five to ten new students a year. He's getting five to ten new students a week. And guess what's happening? The American children who go to that school are being sent to other schools to make space for illegals. And that is the biggest bunch of bull jive. Everybody should know about that
0: story. Okay, well, that's another example, like the New York story, oh, that 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 provides some, some you know, form to what is being yeah. described in terms of um, uh, non-citizens in this country illegally, uh, mainly facilitated by this administration. I mean, I, I, again, I see all this. Um, stop the invasion! This is an invasion. It's not an invasion. It's an importation.
3: Right. We're who, letting them who, in. They're not invading. Who, if we're saying, "Come on in," here's a hole in the fence. Here's where you go.
0: Right. So, so I mean, if it's an invasion, think about it this way. So who's leading the invasion? I mean, you could say that, I, I don't know, the argument about uh, some of these countries uh, sending the, the some of their worst and the, the cartels and the international gangs, the MS-13 types and so forth. But, I mean, but who's really breaking through the southern border? Um, who's who's aiding the, all of these individuals in terms of breaking into the country it's not a foreign power it's the american government so is the uh, the american government is invading america
3: all i know is americans are suffering because of this and children who have gone to the same school for nine years are being shipped to other schools that's not fair for the moms it's not fair for the kids and it's not fair for americans as a whole if it happens there it's going to happen you know where
0: yeah okay so, it's important to understand what's happening writ large. That's why I, I bristle at this invasion talk. You're misidentifying the responsible party. Oh,
3: a lot of people are misidentifying, like Governor DeSantis, he had a press conference yesterday with a big orange sign stop the invasion.
0: That's why I'm addressing it. Uh, Speaker Johnson talking about the last three years, just to make sure everybody's updated.
2: Since President Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas assumed office, there have been more than 7 million encounters with illegal aliens just at our southern border alone. 35 of our 50 states, including my home state of Louisiana, don't have a population that large. Yet that's how many people have been apprehended in just the past three years. Among those who've been apprehended on the southern border, but between ports of entry, more than 300 individuals who are on our terror watch list? Terrorist watch list. The, the frightening question is if so many terrorists were caught attempting to cross our borders, how many have entered undetected? We suspect it is a much higher number. And we know that there are at least 1.8 million gotaways that we know have escaped uh, CBP. Who knows what dangerous plans those gotaways are making and, and, and what foreign adversaries they may be speaking with?
0: Or what crimes they may have committed. Yesterday, I mean, again, just to put not too fine a point on it, yesterday, legislation, again, we talked about legislation, and it's good what House Republicans are doing, essentially, is calling the bluff of the open borders crowd as well as the pro-Hamas crowd. So the other day it was um, not allowing anybody who collaborated with Hamas and the October 7 terrorist attack in this country. And you had you outed two Democrats, Rashida Talib and Corey Bush, as so pro Hamas that they want, to, they, they, want, want to t- t- they want to allow they want to allow terrorists to emigrate to this country. They certainly don't want to prohibit it. Yesterday it was DUIs, expelling migrants who've been convicted of driving under the influence, and you could just go down. um the whole list of class X felonies since we have, we know we have so many people in this country illegally who have been convicted of serious crimes in, in uh, the United States. Well, and people here's should a leader. Know.
3: Oh, well, people should know that our, that our Congresswoman in Elk Grove village and other uh, surrounding communities, Delia Ramirez, she voted present on that, whether or not to deny immigration to Hamas terrorists.
0: Yeah. Well, right. That's part of our uh, illustrious congressional delegation on this matter of migrant DUIs and expelling them, you know, deporting them. Pramil Jayapal, she is the uh, band manager of the Socialist Spice Girls. Here's what she said on the House floor yesterday.
4: Once again, the majority is wasting our time by putting forward a piece of legislation that has zero chance of becoming law and that is extraordinarily broad. No one condones driving under the influence. We should do everything we can to prevent people from getting behind the wheel while intoxicated. But this bill, designed to scapegoat and denigrate immigrants, will not solve the serious problem of DUIs.
0: No, the, no, the, the, the well, the... The problem of DUIs is serious, but the problem of people in this country illegally exacerbating the problem of DUIs is serious, too. And it's also a point they're making about how committed to open borders they are, how uninterested they are, this political class in D.C., in the safety of American citizens, the interests of American citizens, the existence of something called an American citizen. Candace in Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin.
4: Hi, years ago I started looking this up for some reason. Uh, the phrase was the most violent uh, places on earth. And people would think it was like a Muslim country. Wrong. Like six to eight nations were in South America. So this is like no uh, surprise to me that communists um, are importing communists. This is the army that uh, and the police force that Obama said he always wanted. And the second thing is. Uh, these people are used to extreme violence and they're emptying out these jails in places that you wouldn't even ever go to. I mean, and, and they're coming up here, you know? So what does that tell you? It tells me that the federal dollar is going to go kaput and they want to get rid of as many people because we are a liability. You have to understand that they have financial obligations to us and I'm sorry, but what's coming is very ugly and very scary. People Thanks for the
0: call, Candace. Uh, David Lansing.
5: Good morning, Dan and Amy.
4: Uh, Dan, you said
5: this is an importation, not an invasion. Yeah. I would disagree with you. Um, the Biden administration and many prominent Democrats uh, have been bought off by China. There are spies. We know that a couple of politicians in California um, have been infiltrated by spies for many, for a long time. These are agents of China. This is an invasion. These politicians, the Biden, they've been paid off to let these people in. They are the enemy. The Bidens, these these people are not on our side. And so this is an invasion. This is a military invasion by China.
0: And yeah. Well, you you thanks for the call, Dave. Yeah, I, I get the point. And, uh, but, you know, with all due respect, you know, Eric Swalwell falling prey to a honeypot scheme. Uh, doesn't constitute uh, Chinese military invasion. I, I'm sorry. I, I understand these countries that are averse to our interests, and I understand the how compromised the Biden hillbilly crime family is. But you have to connect the dots a little bit better to, to, do, to convince me that it is not purposeful on behalf of the American political class led by the movement Marxists to reshape America and – Uh, And and by that, I mean the uh, demographics of America, ideological mainly, in order to ensconce themselves in power for as far as the eye can see. I think that that's the bigger play, as we talked about the other day when it came to answering the question, you know, why would you continue to do something that is costing you so much politically? Well, there has to be some political payoff because that's how this these politicians think what is the political payoff how does this enhance my power keep me in power and it's 2024 on, well it's on but it's on the voting side and there's specifics there's specific opportunities that uh, are um present and i think this is where they're going to try to exploit those opportunities and try to normalize this too just as we have Evanston moving to the timing of this very interesting moving to allow non-citizens mm-hmm. to vote in local elections there there's something afoot here it's it's being done internally so you can call it a fifth column action you can say there are foreign uh, saboteurs involved but it is being led here by the people that we have put into office
1: it's news opinion insight this is chicago's morning answer on am560 biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy talking about uh, House Speaker Mike Johnson's speech on the House floor yesterday, uh, outlining in some detail the uh, situation at the border and the different perspectives House Republicans have As compared to some of their Senate colleagues and certainly as compared to the White House, responding to some of the uh, charges that have been leveled by the Biden White House against House Republicans in an effort to, you know, try to put this back on House Republicans for being obstructionist rather than uh, Biden, the Biden administration taking the blame for uh, codifying lawlessness at the border. And uh, he went through a couple uh, specifics. You know, he's got this list of 64, 64 actions Biden has taken to weaken the border, taken by himself. So he didn't need us and he still doesn't, although we're happy to provide a framework, HR2, for him to use to, you know, paint by numbers. Just a couple of examples that Mike Johnson gave during his remarks to put some specifics to this. Among the 64 executive actions Biden has taken to weaken border security, well, how about the wall?
2: The day he took office, the very first day that he walked into the Oval Office, President Biden revoked Executive Order 9844. You know what that did? It ended construction of the border wall that Congress had already paid for. Everybody's seen the images on TV, the materials out there rotting in the sun and the the, the elements. Why? Because Joe Biden decided unilaterally he didn't want a wall.
0: Uh, The end of Title 42.
2: In February 2021, the the administration stopped applying Title 42 expulsions to children and incentivized, by doing that, incentivized families to send unaccompanied children through Mexico under the watch of who? Cartels and traffickers. Mm. Since then, the administration has lost track. They admit, to this number, they admit that they've lost track of more than 80,000 unaccompanied children somewhere in the U.S.
0: Right. Right. It's a reminder of how inhumane the open borders policy is. It's not just uh, with respect to American citizens. It's also with respect to, uh, well, kids from around the world.
3: Remember that day in December when they had 12,000 people come in? There were 391 kids that were unaccompanied. And they showed videos at Houston Station, and one kid just looked scared out of her mind. And I just, I can't even imagine what they went through and what they were you know, transfer, like what, what deals were made. This is the compassionate, this is the,
0: this is the compassionate uh, position to open the borders and lose track of 85,000 kids who came here on a company because of what you incentivize families to do Um, or the opportunities you provided cartels and traffickers to exploit combination of the two Um, remain in Mexico. And, you know, it's important to just detail these as, as Mike Johnson did, It's important to – I've got the receipts right here. I can show you my receipts to prove what I'm saying.
2: I'll continue. In October 2021, the Biden administration revoked the migrant protection protocols that had been instituted under President Trump. That's the the, the policy that we all know uh, colloquially as Remain in Mexico, right? The Remain in Mexico policy kept asylum seekers in a safe haven third country – while they were seeking asylum in the United States. You know why that works so magically well? Because it sent a message around the world that you shouldn't pay your life savings to a cartel to traffic you through Mexico Mexico and drop you over the U.S. border because you're not going to be dropped over the U.S. border. Hey, save your time and treasure in trouble. Don't take that dangerous journey because the word goes out on social media to countries all around the world. They're not going to let you in.
0: And if these executive actions didn't generate this... Uh, lawlessness we have at the border and all the numbers we previously detailed 1.8 million gotaways 7 million illegal encounters in the last three years if these policies didn't uh, serve as the proximate cause then what did just uh, global migratory patterns uh, as the um, as John Kirby and others would have you believe you know migration is happening everywhere that's all very interesting uh why uh to this extent at our southern border uh and so distinct from just a couple of years ago the topography of the world and the places that people are coming from has not changed that much yes there are countries that are war-torn like ukraine and that's a separate category and uh countries like Afghanistan where we had allies who served as interpreters with our forces and we needed to make provisions although we did a terrible job uh for for four people who 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 put their lives on the line to support the US mission in Afghanistan and they should be uh they should have the promises that we made kept uh, but but I mean, that whole I mean, they they have no answer. They have no explanation because the explanation for why things are the way they are is obvious. And it's being being detailed. or was detailed yesterday for the better part of 30 minutes by Mike Johnson. Those are just a few substantive examples.
3: I really like him. I mean, he's growing on me. Isn't he growing on you?
0: Well, I, I he's a smart guy. He's very measured. He is yep. uh, substantive. I mean, he lays out the case like a good lawyer will. And the only thing I would say, well, there's two things I'd say about Mike Johnson. What wasn't in the speech? What? One is the voting issue that we talked about earlier this week. Oh, if yeah. I if that if thing. I've got the Cleta Mitchell memo, then somebody maybe you know I don't I don't know I'll mail it to Mike Johnson or uh, email it to, him. <laughs> but but I mean right. So you have to start talking about this. We the House Republicans, in addition to legislation like you know banning Hamas collaborators from entering this country ex- deporting migrants who've been convicted of DUI and other violent other crimes and violent crimes uh you start you have to be talking about the national voter registration act you have to be talking about how what the what the landscape looks like in terms of opportunities for non-citizens to illegally vote in federal elections foreign students um overseas, uh, it, p- individuals overseas under federal law, that, you know, federal law that was originally conceived for, to make it easier for military families to vote while deployed overseas. But uh, as was detailed in Cleta Mitchell's memo, this is the renowned election attorney who put this uh, memo together that right. should be like a, you know, a, 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 a clarion I'll call for Republican action. Um, so overseas, 63% in 2020 of those overseas votes were civilian. And I mean, if, and if she knows that the, there are these opportunities to exploit and they're more easily exploited when you have 1.8 million Godaways, well, guess the, – then the NGOs who – the left-wing NGOs who facilitate the illegal entry and who have voter registration programs know. And what do we know as she uh, asked in that memo – about uh, Department of Homeland Security, right? The Biden administration has directed Department of Homeland Security to uh, uh, make contact with everyone in this country uh, that's encountered. So 7 million illegal encounters. So, I mean, is there is there any concern about uh, subterranean voter registration programs? I mean, these are just, I, I don't know, but I, I know what Cleta Mitchell laid out very soberly and if you read the memo and and listen to our distillation of it then you see i, I mean it's the, the, very the, concerned well the opportunities <laughs> for illegal voting are manifest
3: right well it makes me think that that's why they've been letting thousands of people in for the last three years i mean thousands a day for the last three years to rig this election or not well, just guarantee a win
0: well, it makes me think that, too, and, and so that this is why I say, well, so why we need Speaker Johnson to start talking about what the National Registration uh, Voter Registration Act provides and doesn't provide, what reforms are needed to that, and that needs to be advanced. This needs to be part of the conversation. The other piece, of course, is that as much uh, saber-rattling as he did and as much detail as he provided uh, and separation from Senate Republicans trying to negotiate a surrender, well... If it's as serious as you say, 300 uh, known or suspected terrorists and so on and so on and and all of the other details that have been uh, provided, then why aren't you shutting it down? Why aren't you closing the wallet and saying nothing shall pass, no spending will be approved until and unless... 312-642-5600,
3: 312-642-5600, answer line. You can also reach us on our text line, which is up and running this morning, 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment.
0: Because here's what's going on in the country, uh, in places like Massachusetts, which is, uh, you know, there's competition leading the way to try to find long-term housing solutions for people in this country uh illegally people in this country legally but illegally if you know what i mean because of the elimination of remain in mexico some have an asylum uh you know filed an asylum application and have paperwork that indicates court date but they shouldn't be in this country so legally illegally is sort of my hybrid there but anyway um you know the plan is uh, hey uh you're staying in massachusetts and governor laura healy there and normally i wouldn't question Uh, Laura Healy, because she's a lesbian and we know they're magical people in politics. Uh, Laura Healy on her commitment to find long term housing for migrants that have made their way to Massachusetts.
7: Emotional, guys, okay? because I'm committed to this. Little kids need to be able to breathe clean air. They need to be able to access swimming pools. They need to have lifeguards there who are going to teach them how to swim and they need to have activities I don't know what we're going to do for a couple, three months. I'll call universities. I'll call other places. The governor went on to say she is also looking at other locations, but has not said exactly where.
0: You know, she's only talking about people in this country illegally. She's talking about migrants. She's not talking about uh, kids that are uh, residents of Boston or Cambridge, Massachusetts. She's just talking about those new arrivals, as they are want to say. She turned yeah, one record. They- she turned well, one recreational.
3: Okay, sorry. Go on. She
0: turned one recreational center in a predominantly black neighborhood into a facility to house illegal immigrants. That did not sit well with the neighborhood. But you know, like you see in Chicago, well, the hell with you. Who are you? You're just a you're just a American citizen who resides in Chicago and pays taxes. Who are you? She, we have other priorities.
3: Mes- not a winning message that she had there, and shame on her. She knows she's hurting her, the Americans, the Bostonians, and she's not doing anything more about it and crying like a baby. You're the governor of the gosh darn state. You can say no. And what they're trying to do, Dan, is take the people, the illegals who are in Logan Airport, and move them there. And she's so naive to think it's just going to be a few months. Bull jive. Once she turns that over to them, they're not getting it back. We're never getting the Broadway Armory back.
0: Ever. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's seven park districts. We're not getting back. She's not going to get that back. She's, you're missing she's the point. Illegal. You you may or may not get it back. At some point, you'll probably get it back. You're missing the point. It's not about your park district building, and it's not about this rec center in Boston. It's about permanent residency for people in this country legally. That's what this is about. One form or the other. We'll 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 commandeer government buildings for as long as we need. We'll put you at O'Hare Airport or. Or uh, you know, airports around the country. Atlanta, we've seen videos. Uh, we'll put you uh, at a rec center in Boston, and then ultimately, you know, we'll uh, try to figure out uh, maybe a, a housing complex, maybe retrofitting hey, uh, an empty office building, like's going on right now in in the West Loop. But the the play is not the building. The play is permanent location in the United States, regardless of. Well, regardless of anything, documentation, criminal history, uh, ability to uh, and desire to work so you're not effectively awarded the state, all that's out the window. They have no interest. It is about finding a way and pulling at people's heartstrings the way that she did to keep the people who are flowing in here forever. Brian in St. John, Indiana.
8: What's good, Captain? Uh, so I stopped listening to you guys back in April because I can't afford to be getting heated at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> but uh, I called the comments about the socialist place girl band manager, and then I heard the governor of Massachusetts say something about the kids deserve swimming pools. Like, are you kidding me, man? Like my And,
0: my and li- like lifeguards, life too. too. Yeah,
8: My, yeah, my kids like lifeguards. a swimming pool, too, you know what I mean? But...
0: You're just an American citizen. Law. Yeah, give yeah. it to
3: the illegals. Well, uh, they com- need to swim,
9: the too.
8: About the about the band manager. Uh, you know, she was talking about it's unnecessary to have these law, uh to try to pass a law that's not going to pass. You and I both know, she knows fully, that it's just going to put them on the record of not wanting to export a, uh, an illegal immigrant for having a DUI. So I just found it incredible how she spun that, because uh, you and I know why they would do that, and she's just spinning it opposite. So...
0: Right. Thanks for the call, Brian. Well, right. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're uh, uh, leveling up legislation that has no chance of passing. I'm sorry. Is that the standard? Because if it's the standard, then what were you guys doing trying to federalize elections for the first two years of this administration when you knew that wasn't going to pass? And all the other things that you've attempted to do that you knew weren't going to pass because you're driving a discussion to its ultimate end, and you may not get it this session, and you may not get it next session, but you're going to keep at it. And frankly, the left is better when it comes to that sort of stickitiveness than is the right. So don't be disabused. Oh, if you're wasting time. It's symbolic because it's not going to pass. Um, the, the 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 legislative act, a legislative bill is a vehicle to drive debate and understanding to persuade people to a position to create political pressure on politicians that are susceptible to it. Yeah. So don't listen to Jaya pale. I mean, if you know, there's too much competition to designate her as the most disingenuous member of the house, but she's certainly in the conversation. Uh, Kip in Stillman Valley.
10: Yeah. Hey, uh, this is something that's food for thought. When's a uh, United States citizen going uh, to be considered an occupier like uh, the Israelis are in Israel? With the, I mean, how can you run a sanction against four Israelis that we don't really know what happened, but but Biden put uh, sanctions on these people, you know, it, it, it that's sanctions in the on, news. And,
0: san- sanctions on who? Uh, on four
10: Israeli settlers attacking uh, uh, the Palestinians. It's been on the news yeah, just recently. So uh, he's did an executive order, and uh, Lincoln talked about it, and that you know because they're trying to crack down, and Israelis attacking Palestinians. So that, I mean, when are we get that we're getting? Not necessarily invaded. I I understand where you're coming from. Uh, Citizens of the United States are going to be considered an occupier of their own country. Have a great day.
0: Thanks for the call. Yeah. It's news, opinion, insight.
1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Well, you'll be impressed taking immediate action in the uh, wake of the two shootings over the last week that have occurred outside of CPS high schools. Yesterday, BLM Brandon and Jelly Belly went over to the South Shore Cultural Center and got together with uh, the hangers-on, government, city and state. Oh, and and, and that, of course, includes business leaders and everybody else, because everything runs through the government in Illinois and Chicago. That's why... The place is such a catastrophe because it's so government centric. So here's the big news. Are you ready for it? Big news on violence for violence prevention. They're going to try to double the amount of money that is spent on violence prevention from 200 million to 400 million through a public private partnership with a goal of reducing the number of shootings and homicides in Chicago by 50% within five years. That's another five-year plan. Very Stalin-esque. 312-642-5600, Turnkey.pro answer line, 64636DA, Turnkey.pro text line. Are you wowed? I don't know where to begin.
3: I'm so excited. How do we celebrate this, Dan? This is big news. This is just more money being thrown after another problem and another five-year plan, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, they just come out and say it. These were two gang-involved shootings. The victims were gangbangers. The assailants were gangbangers in both incidents.
0: The aim is to uh, scale up these violence prevention programs where they currently spend, I guess, on the order of $200 million. That's according to them. So let's just take their numbers at face value for the purpose of discussion, although I'm sure they're inaccurate. $200 million uh, that serve the city's most violent neighborhoods. You know what the problem is there? We need to be spending $400 million. It, it, and, did and anybody know, ask it,
3: what do we get for our $400, $400 million?
0: What What did we get for the two hundred? And they know this how. What are the metrics? No, mm. The aim to scale up those programs in those neighborhoods to reach at least half of the estimated 20,000 people in Chicago considered at greatest risk of being shot. Can somebody publish that list? I think if I was at the greatest risk of being shot, I'd like to know. Yeah, please. Mom,
3: Dad, Mom, who's on the list?
0: Why don't we circulate, get get that list published and circulate it. Um, Everybody can play along. I mean, is uh, is that gallows humor? Yes, it is. Uh, but w- how else do you respond to something so silly that is presented as seminal from the political leadership of a major city and state? I don't know how else to respond anymore. $200 million, $400 million. It's like the conversation about uh, the Chicago Public Schools. How much more do we need to spend per people? More. How much more do we need to spend on violence prevention and violence interruption? More. Uh, to what end? I don't know more. To what end? What, what do you mean to what end, Dan? We have this goal. We have a goal of reducing homicides by 50% in five years. I mean, are you against that? No, oh, of course I'm not against that. Well, then you better pony up. because <laughs> we, we have these grand goals. Have you, have you produced results with the $200 million you're spending that are demonstrable, even anecdotal? Uh, You know, uh, even even just compile all the anecdotes and let's see how much per positive anecdote we're paying. I mean, this the money is not a big deal to me. If four hundred million dollars would reduce the murder rate by 50 percent. Fine. Another 200 million bucks. No problem. Start with uh, all those C-suite types in Chicago and pass the hat. Good. I'm on board. Why do we all know it's not going to happen that way? And so, but so we pretend. So I mean, but this is the beautiful lies aspect of the culture in Chicago and Illinois. It's well, we know it's not going to work, but, but this is a way do we something. can. It's, no, this is a way we can all get together at the South Shore Cultural Center and congratulate ourselves for how much we care. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't care if it works. We don't. We don't care about the outcomes. We just care mm-hmm. about everybody taking notice of how much we care.
3: Well, what about using that money to hire resource officers and put them back in the schools? I mean, look at Juarez High School. They had four kids shot, and then the parents who were, wanted to take it away were begging to have them back. Because it, sends, it well, makes well, kids that, feel safer because kids don't feel safe right now, Dan. They, they don't. Going to school, going from school. What else is They may is feel new? safe inside the school, but they want the resource officers.
0: What else is new? There's been 100 kids shot and killed in Chicago, on Chicago streets in the last five years. What, what else is new?
3: Well, now they see it while they're walking out of school because <clears throat> both of those shootings happened while they were walking out of yeah. school in broad daylight. Uh-huh. Yep.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, let's let's go back to Ben Wilson uh, I mean, I pick, that. Pick, yeah. the high, pick the high-profile kid gunned down on the streets of your choice. Uh, they've been profiled at, at State of the Union speeches, Hadiah Pendleton, when Obama was president. And, and what? And what? We're going to do more. We're going to spend more. More violence interrupters, more gang prevention, more of this, more of that. And here we are, decade after decade, having the same conversation and pretending we're doing something novel. Fine, you know, fine, I'll, I'll go along with it. Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, everybody at the South Shore Cultural Center yesterday, give them a big round of applause. Because they care so much. Well, well, a bully for you. Wonderful. You're a good person. You're a city leader. You're a visionary. What, what do you mean to say? Whatever compliments we're supposed to offer. Uh, okay, sign me up. Sure. I'll go along. Like everybody else? Henry in St. Charles are in Chicago's Morning Answer. Yeah,
10: uh, we defunded law enforcement and we gave police rules that they can't do this and they can't do that. And, uh, you know,
11: as their work.
10: So
9: why is there so much violence?
0: Thanks for the oh, call, yeah. Henry. Well, um, you don't understand. You've got the wrong philosophy. That's not that is not the prevailing philosophy. That's not the the received wisdom from your betters in public office. Here's the received wisdom. Brian Schwab is the AG for D.C. You know, uh, the District of Columbia was an outlier last year. Uh, where, yeah, violent crime went up, but even in D.C., murders were up year over year, where they were down slightly in almost all metropolitan areas, off 30-year highs. But in D.C., they continued going up. In D.C., this week, of course, was the news that a former Trump administration official was carjacked. and oh, that's is, right. The last I heard, he was in critical condition in a parking lot in D.C., coming from uh, his you know his job, And this, of course, is uh, endemic like it is in Chicago. So um, to uh, Henry's uh, antiquated understanding of how you deal with violent crime, here's uh, the D.C. Attorney General, Brian Schwab, talking about it.
12: We as a city and a community need to be much more focused on prevention and surrounding young people and their families with resources yes, if we, we want to be safer in the long run. We cannot prosecute and arrest our way out of it.
0: Yep. Don't worry about arresting and prosecuting. No, can't do that. you got to spend money. Social service providers, wraparound services at the schools, can't arrest and, and prosecute your way out of it. But you can't spend your way out of it. That's what we know, or that's what we're told. It's everywhere. Same philosophy. How about this? You ready for more? Uh, Oh, yeah. Baltimore, New York City, Philadelphia, Seattle, Austin. Uh, Some members of their various city councils had a little confab yesterday, a little call to talk about carjackings. They're on the same page as Brian Schwab in D.C. They're on the same page as BLM Brandon and Jelly Belly in Illinois. Take a listen to these guys. I mean, it's you know you're going to hear from councilmen from Seattle and Baltimore. The, the names don't matter because they're interchangeable parts. It's like uh, playing Mr. Potato Head with city council members and mayors and governors. You could rearrange the faces, and it's still the same potato head. It's,
13: it traumatizes our communities. It happens every day. Kias and Hyundais stolen and used to fuel crime. The failure of Kia and Hyundai to install industry standard theft prevention technology in their vehicles
14: has left our cities to clean up the mess.
13: We heard today from folks in Baltimore, uh, in New York, in Austin. Today, Seattle City Council member Tammy Morales taking aim at carmakers, demanding they recall and repair models that are easy to steal. The resolution and the lawsuit are really about corporate responsibility. The most familiar part of Kia theft is this. Stolen cars used as battering rams to bust into businesses. No doubt you've seen it plenty of times, but somehow this was news to council member Morales. Well, that's a good question. I haven't heard that these Stolen cars are being used for smash and grab. Morales acknowledged Kia thieves often get away unafraid to run from police. It is young people who can very easily access these cars and who are stealing them. Do you think there should be stiffer penalties when people do steal these cars? Well, I think there are penalties for car theft, and those should be, uh, you know, they should be, folks who steal them should be held accountable. In any event, Morales wants the companies to pay the city for the cost of dealing with the stolen Kias and Hyundais. As for the incentive for youth to steal the cars? In court, do you think the lack of deterrent from getting caught or not being chased, do you think that plays into the decision by some of these young folks to steal these cars? Well, I won't speak to the motivations of young people, uh, except to say that they are young people. um, And when issued a challenge, especially on something like social media, they like to take it up.
0: Issued a challenge on something like social media, like take it up like this is fun. Like we're challenging you to run a five minute mile.
3: Or eat a Tide Pod. Oh, my God. This is so great. Look at me.
0: So again, the uh, the uh, carjackings, as you've heard here, it's uh, the car manufacturer's responsibility, and that's main. Right. That's the main problem here. It's not the carjackers, and of course, if uh, if Kia and Hyundai made their cars un you know uh, unbreakable, unjackable, yeah, something like that. <laughs> not I a guess. word. I just if, made it up. If there yeah. if there is such a way to do that, then then they would uh, then carjackings would just end. Because it's only the existence of Kia and Hyundai that we have carjackings. That's the only reason. They w- they won't carjack another car. They're not going to carjack a Camry. All these people being carjacked and murdered or injured, guns pointed to their head. Um, it doesn't. It, it it the make and model really matter. But this is, so that's that's leaders from across metropolitan areas. How about Gavin Newsom, Governor Patrick Bateman in California? This is a fun little story. He tells this uh, story of uh, interacting with an employee, a cashier at Target. And uh, the cashier didn't know that she was talking to the governor. Oh, how dare she?
15: Some guy walks out and drops something. My 14-year-old says, sir, uh, you dropped this. And he comes back. He picks it up and keeps walking out. As we're checking out, the woman says, oh, he's just walking out, he didn't pay for that. I said, well, why are you stopping him? She goes, oh, the governor. I swear to God, true story on oh, my mom's grave. The governor lowered the threshold. There's no, there's no, there's no accountability. There's no, I said, that's just not true. And she, I, she got, I said, we have the 10th toughest, $950, the 10th toughest in America. She didn't even know what I was talking about. And I said, it's just not true. There's still stop. They said, well, we don't stop them because of the governor. And then she goes, she looks at me twice, and then she freaks out. She calls everyone over, wants to take photos. I'm like, no, I'm not taking a photo. We're having a conversation. Where's your manager?
5: Hopefully all the reporters (sighs) weren't on for that.
0: (laughs) Where's your manager? The
3: greatest words ever, better than don't you know who I am, is where's your manager? I mean, I'm surprised, Dan, that he didn't get out his cell phone and start videotaping this. I mean, the arrogance of him, and he's so detached from the own policies that he put in place. He's yeah. a disgrace. I mean, a leader divorced from the consequences of his policies.
0: And the um, the other part of this, too, which is why these urban centers are so depressing, is that when she recognizes the clerk, if you're to believe Patrick Bateman's telling of the story, which is hard to believe anything he says, she recognizes he's the governor and she immediately wants a selfie and she calls people around and say, oh, look, the governor's here. I mean the governor that you were just decrying because he lets people rob you blind, and you're to turn up, you're, you're you're not to do anything, and Target is probably telling you the same thing that the governor is telling you because of the governor's policies and the political class in California, and now you want a selfie from him because you're so addled by celebrity. <sighs> so I mean, this so you have people who have sort of a, a ha, an understanding of what's happening, but then they're uh, I don't know. They're dumbstruck, literally dumbstruck by celebrity, and so you continue to get the same sorts of professional prevaricators as Patrick Bateman.
3: Well, and what he could do is reverse Proposition 47, which emboldens those criminals so they can well, steal up to do. but not over $950. What he could But do. that's too deep for him. But I, I mean, mean d- the, the ego on that guy, I mean, honestly, I've always felt like I want to re- reach into the TV screen and... Bop him. but that yesterday—that that's just—and and you're right. I don't even know if he's making up that story. Who knows if it's even true? So
0: the the I mean, like
3: corn pop was there at the Target with him.
0: D.C., Chicago, New York, Austin, Baltimore, Seattle, starting to register. Not for that Target cashier. It wasn't. Jay and New Lenox, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Oh, hold on a second. Sorry. I can mess that up.
15: Take my Michael. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. Yep. Uh, just, uh, you know, I think it's funny. I mean, Chicagoland people need to wake up. This is extorting more money from you. $400 million. for uh, At $200 million, yeah. we, we we shot seven kids. So in five years, uh, what, we're down to three and a half now? Yep. I, I mean, it's just ridiculous we're going to. We're just going to throw money at a problem instead of that are actually coming up with a plan, which we know are the gangs. The gangs are the problems. The gangs are the ones that are carjacking. The gangs are the ones that are shooting. The gangs are the ones that are robbing. And and we have social media now. There's so many ways
12: to track these people down, and we're just
0: not mm-hmm. doing it. And if Thanks there's a yep. call, Jay.
3: And the sad thing is they walked out of there thinking that they accomplished something. Ugh,
0: it's so slimy. I still the twenty thousand people that are likely to get shot, I mean again, can you let's 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 publish that. Yeah. Um maybe uh we hire twenty thousand bodyguards to go around with them. Uh Corey Bush can help us with the security details. George and oh. Naperville.
11: As yeah, Dan, I think these steps they are taking are gonna give us a lot more honor students who make it to Harvard or Yale.
0: Thanks for the call or who are remembered as an honor student who was turning his life around more likely Glenn in Oakbrook.
14: Yeah. Good morning. It's it's, uh, the responsibility of the property owners to reinforce their buildings. So the stolen
16: cars can't ram through there.
0: Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for the call. Right. Responsibility car manufacturers, responsibility of general contractors and retail operators Yes, you have to, uh, you know, turn your property into Fort Knox. And if you don't, that's on you. I mean, that's essentially what Lori Lightfoot said. What, what, what are you doing? Why aren't you hiring security people? Why aren't you taking advantage of the whatever, the subsidy you get to put in uh, camera systems from the city, the subsidy you get from the city to put in camera systems at the time? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's always on the, um, the law abiding, the person who played by the rules. The excuses are made for people that are predators, that don't play by the rules, that do not want to live peacefully in a pluralistic society, and the people who do are the problem. This is the message you get from your movement Marxist in charge of all those cities I just ticked off. John in Florence, Wisconsin.
10: You guys are getting this all wrong. Mayor B.J. has a plan. Now, if you're going to pay... Two hundred dollars towards Mayor B J. or four hundred dollars to Mayor B- four hundred million to Mayor B J. It's just a matter of negotiation. And Chicago, it's still being from Chicago. You have to realize there's a difference between giving to Mayor B J. or getting from Mayor B J. well um, four hundred million. You know, that's that's all I got to say. This a uh, happy uh happy Ground Rat Day today, folks.
0: Thanks for the call, John. That's right. Foxetani Phil, is that today? Yeah, that's
3: today. (laughs) Well, we're deep in it. Neither you and I blogged that.
0: (laughs) Uh, Sean and Darian.
5: Yeah. Good morning, guys. Yeah. I mean, these they talk about these kids like they're like they're straight A honor roll students. They're nothing but punks. They're gangbangers. They they're not raised properly. There's no parents in the home. It goes back to that, and it goes back to respect for law enforcement. Go back to the old police ways. Put the fear of God in them. Put them behind bars, and it's over. It's all cleaned up. Thanks.
0: Thanks for the call, Sean. Not going to happen. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. You're listening to Chicago's
1: Morning Answer with Dan Proff and Amy Jacobson on AM560,
0: The Answer. Good morning, Dan and Amy. So, uh, there's a uh, movement afoot to recall Wisconsin State Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. Yeah, I've met him a couple of times. This goes back a few years, though, but I remember he was a a pretty strong proponent of school choice during the uh, Scott Walker years, and obviously Governor Walker was uh, leading the expansion of school choice. So, it seemed like they had a pretty good team back there during the Walker years, but Uh, Apparently, there is um, some dissension in the ranks. I know generally about this, but I don't pretend to have the uh, intricate knowledge of the Wisconsin political landscape that others do. So there's this uh, group that's trying to recall him because, I guess, uh, he was not supportive of efforts to impeach Wisconsin Election Commission Administrator Megan Wolfe, who oversaw... Who they claim oversaw election fraud in 2020 in Wisconsin. And also, he's uh, recently, he said that to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, somewhat recently that uh, he was going to do everything to prevent Trump from being the Republican Party's presidential nominee in 2024. Anyway, so there is this event uh, this Sunday, 1 30 to 4 30, in Sturtevant, Wisconsin, at the Fountain Banquet Hall. And, um, Uh, We'll get more details on this recall movement that is afoot with uh, Mr. Conrad Reynolds, who joins us now to discuss it. Conrad Reynolds, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it.
14: Hey, well, thank you so much for having me on, Dan. I I, um, am very, very appreciative for the opportunity to to speak to your your listeners. Uh, We need everybody to understand that first, Patrick Brown holiday. (laughs) Oh, yeah, uh, I know. know, I just remembered. that's right, and it seems to me that you know we have a groundhog day every day with a lot of the rhinos that we have across the nation. We continually, over and over and over, see the same thing. We have borders that can't be protected. Uh, we have uh, budgets that get blown out. We're at you know thirty, almost thirty four trillion in debt. We have a problem here across the nation. We have people that we need to get rid of in certain positions, and one of those uh, is is Mister Voss. Uh, it's time for him to go. And I'll tell you why. You mentioned it right there in your show. He is protecting Megan Wolf. And we all know that Megan Wolf is the one that allowed the Zuckerbucks to come in, all the drop boxes. She did all of these things. In fact, her term is over. It's been over since last summer. But they allow her to stay in the position. And the blocker, the blocker is Robin Voss. He has the opportunity to pass um, uh, Bill 18, which would allow. The Senate to go, move forward with impeachment proceedings against her, and that would happen, but he's blocking that. Why? I don't understand why he is so opposed to the, the people getting their way in Wisconsin, and apparently he is. And so the other thing that people need to understand is he's only he's got an 84 percent disapproval rating across the state, an 84 percent. I think it's time for Robin Voss to go, and I think it's time for him to move on. And we know that this next election in 2024 is very important, <clears throat> very, very important for our country. And we need to make sure that every election it has integrity and every vote counts. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent. We want your vote to count, but we want it to be a legal vote, and everybody should be on board with that. And but, if you're not, but, then <clears>
0: – <throat> But but didn't Voss, uh, didn't Voss um, after the 2020 election, if I'm recalling correctly, retain – a former Supreme Court justice to investigate the claims of election fraud, so I mean he did yeah, he, he did do something to to pursue those claims he did he not
9: yeah
14: yeah i see that I, I see a lot of those little efforts, but you know he eventually fired him you know but you know, as you well know, and the other thing is is that every all the stuff that were was brought up uh, i don 't know if you had an opportunity to see the videos of the ballot harvesting in the rest homes in those areas. Yeah. Uh, did you see that? Uh, that yeah, on 2,000
3: despicable. mules, yes. Yeah.
14: Uh, that was despicable. Well, you know, again, as far as I'm concerned, and the people that are trying to get rid of Mr. Voss, they basically are on the right side as far as I'm concerned of election integrity. And election integrity means, again, we want all votes to count. We don't want systems put in place that uh, make it to where people's vote doesn't count. And we think that that's what's happening right now. There's no question that's happening. And Mr. Boss needs to go. And again, the people of Wisconsin are going to have an opportunity uh, to vote. And that's why we want the recall effort. And that's why we're pushing for it. We're going to, we're going to have the signatures and they're going to get an opportunity to say yes or no to Robin Boss. And I think that's going to be important. And Mike Lindell uh, is coming on Sunday. Thank you for mentioning that because
0: oh, yeah. he's a great
14: guy. Mike Liddell is a great guy, and he's coming on Sunday. We want everybody to come. Uh, we, that hall holds five, 600 people. We're trying to get as many people there to listen to what's going on and sign the petition, and and we think that it's going to be a huge success. And, um and, and again, we we, we we know that it's time for Mr. Boss to go. And right. um, well, we have a website. We ask people to go to it. And, and so it's, it's Recall Voss with one S, by the way, RecallVoss.com, RecallVoss.com. So this com.
3: Recall Robin Voss, how did you get Mike Lindell involved, or did he get you involved?
14: Uh, Mike Lindell is a friend of mine. I've known uh, Mike Lindell for a long time, and uh, mm-hmm. he has been uh, at the forefront of trying to get election integrity across America. And, um, and, and I, he's a good man uh, who really wants to do the right thing. And uh, he understands what's at stake here for our country. Uh, If anybody doesn't know what's at stake, just look at the southern border. You know, uh, I don't know if you know what my background is. I'm a retired Army colonel. I was 30 years as an Army intelligence officer, um, a strategic intelligence all across the world. I spent over five years in Afghanistan. Um, And and I understand what the implications are uh, without a secure border. We've got people coming across, and we need to fix that, and no one is. So, national security across the board, across America, is important, and and, and Mike Lindell understands that, and that's why I'm here. And he I makes a like, heck
0: of I a pillow to too. I understand. Yeah, I love the I love the my pillows, yeah. So,
14: well, he also yes. makes slippers, and he also makes towels and, and dog
0: beds, <laughs> and yeah, no, I'm I'm I know everything. I'm the
3: slippers right now. You don't have to tell yeah, me, Colonel. Exactly. I
0: got you. Yeah. Does
14: well, he right, get, he's got he can make. And they're and really good. I, I mean, I'm not just saying he really is, but uh, just a good man. I mean, you know, uh, they try to destroy him, but it's not about uh, Mike Lindell other than he's coming and people have an opportunity to meet him. It really is about, you know, election integrity, election security here. There's a lot of people. I've met so many good people here who want to get rid of Mr. Voss. And you know what? He's been here for a long, long time. And one thing I've learned that nobody's indispensable. Uh, I think Charles de Gaulle said, you know, the cemetery is full of indispensable people. Right. I mean, you know, the, the fact is, you know, no one's indispensable. And and, uh, and you stay in places too long, you get too much power, you stay there, and it becomes a, a problem. Uh, even in the military, you know, some of our best commanders, I mean, they're only there for three years and then move on. There are good, talented people that can step in, and that's what we really need in America. We need to get rid of a lot of these rhinos, and we need to get people in. That will actually do the right thing.
0: Let me let me ask you about this uh, a little bit more about this recall because I just want to understand like the real the point of it. Because I, I understand that um, that uh, that uh, election commissioner um, is she, she can't. There's a court order that prevents her from being removed. Um, I understand that, and I also understand that even if you replace Voss, sort of like replacing McCarthy, uh, the Wisconsin. House doesn't have the assembly doesn't have the votes to override Tony Evers's vetoes. So what what I'm and that's just a foundation to say this isn't necessarily about policy change. This isn't necessarily about um, actually getting rid of this election commissioner if there's a court order that prevents it. This is about punishing Robin Voss because he hasn't lived up to his responsibilities as speaker in your mind. Is that right?
14: Uh, uh, partly right. This is okay. about getting rid of Megan Wolf. This is about getting rid of Megan Wolf. And Robin Voss has fought the patriots, the people who are trying to get rid of the her out of that position because they believe that she has facilitated um, policies and procedures that are not only unlawful, but that these are policies that undermine the, the vote of the Wisconsin voter. But, 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 but
0: Robin Voss can't get rid of her. Blocker. But Robin He's Voss- been a blocker. So So you're so 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 he so you're saying he should he should be with you guys leading the charge to get rid of her and challenge this court order.
14: Yeah, Yeah, he needs to get off his rear end and he needs to pass this assembly resolution number 18, which basically all he had to do is bring it to the floor and let them vote on it. He blocked that. He's blocked that continually. He will not allow just a resolution to come to the floor to vote to let the Senate move forward with impeachment and he's blocked it. Why? Why is he doing that? He, that's all he's got to do.
0: And why do you uh, think he is? He doesn't
14: do that. Well, you, you know, I don't really know, but i know okay. this he has got the power to block it and he's done it. And, and, and we, we've got people in power who are not letting the people of that, of their state, of their county have their say, then that's a problem because you know what? The people are, the, the Government works for the people, and they're not doing that in this point. they are blocking, and so that 's why he 's got to go you know we have got, you know they've got great patriots across this this country here locally you've got people like Dick and Liz Uline who are very big patriots trying to do the right thing these mm-hmm. are uh, These people are fighting for us, okay, and you've got people like Robin Voss who's not allowing okay the people to have their say. And I think that everybody in America needs to understand, not just here, every other state, when you've got people like Mr. Voss who uses his power to block their right to have a hearing, to have a say, then that's when it's time that they've got too much power and it's time for them to go. So there's uh, –
0: yeah, no, I, I I hear you. So so um, there's a battleground poll out. Actually, Mike Scott just report on it that uh, Wisconsin for uh, Biden Trump is forty seven forty seven. So it's a dead heat. We know Wisconsin is one of those top four swing states, needed. along with Carolina, Arizona, and uh, Michigan. Uh, Georgia, Carolina, Arizona, and Georgia. As I was saying, uh, and Wisconsin. So what what will what will you guys be doing on the ground to um, to try to deliver Wisconsin for the Republicans this go-around. You think it's possible?
14: Well, uh, yeah. Well, as if, it is absolutely critical for the 2024 race for the Republicans and for President Trump. But that's not what this is about right now. I'm just telling you. It's important, but that's not what it's about. What's about is what I just said. It's about Mr. Voss not listening to the people of his state who want her gone, who want Megan Wolf gone. And he's not willing to listen to them or do that. And yes, we believe that if she's gone, we think that it would be a fair election, and all we want is a fair shot. We want a level playing field so that President Trump, when he runs or anybody else who runs, will have an opportunity to win. I said earlier, and I say it again to all the, all the listeners here, this is not a partisan thing. This is not Republican or Democrat. This is about America. This is about people having their voice heard and when you get people in office who are unwilling to uh, to listen, to use their position, to block, like he's blocking this, uh, uh, this bill, number 18, that would just simply allow the Senate to move forward. That's all we're asking. And he is not allowing that. So everybody ought to be concerned when someone has that kind of power. It's not right. And I've been to over 70 different countries. And I will tell you, you know, when people get that kind of power, uh, it is very dangerous for democracy and for our Republic. And that is why I'm trying here to fight and try to get people to understand. This is the time to stand up. This is the time uh, to come and make your voice known. Please come on Sunday to this event, because I think it's going to be uh, exciting. And, and I think everybody will understand, you know, it's the fountain banquet hall in start come to it. And, uh, and listen to what Mike Lindell has to say. I will be there along with many other Patriots and, um, um, we're going to make this happen, and we, we need everybody to to be involved.
0: He is Conrad Reynolds. The event he was describing Sunday, the Sunday, one thirty to four p.m. at the Fountain Banquet Hall in Sturt Event, Wisconsin. Uh, Connor uh, and uh, my pillows, uh, Mike Lindell, will be there as well as he mentioned. Conrad Reynolds, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it.
14: Dan, thank you. Amy, thank you. Happy Groundhog Day, and uh, God bless America.
3: Thank you. And he joined us on our Turnkey Pro Answer Line.
1: It's news, opinion, insight. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the
0: morning, Dan and Amy As always, The Simpsons was years and years ahead of the uh, satirical politics that dominates our day, though it's not satire, it's reality. I enjoy this exchange, thinking about that, between RealClearPolitics.com's Phil Wegman and Corrine Jean-Pierre, White House spokesman, when it was announced that Biden will, at some point in the not-too-distant future, be visiting East Palestine, uh, Palestine, I should say, East Palestine, Palestine, uh, Ohio, this exchange between uh, Wegman and her. And then next month, when the president
4: is in East Palestine, will he drink the water there?
0: I mean, look,
13: (laughs) what I can tell you is the president's focus has been to do everything that he can to support this community from day one. We get what's going on on the ground. We understand what's going That's why we've had the EPA. That's why we had DOT. That's why we had HHS. That's why we've had FEMA on the ground. Um, you know, this is not about some sort of, like, political stunt here. This mm-hmm. is not about, this is not what this is about. This is about this president being a president for everyone and showing up showing up for this community that's what this is about
0: <laughs> johnny on the spot a year later uh but i mean it's it's just so reminds me of when mr burns ran for governor and yeah. um he uh had the uh, photo op you know uh canned dinner at the simpson household and of course um this is when marge sprung uh fish for dinner from the river outside the nuclear plant that I he owns. I remember this one. <laughs>
3: mm, <it> smells delightful. <laughs> Uh-oh.
9: Oh. All right, three-eyed fish. Can I have your plate, Mr. Burns? <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, and that uh, tubed his gubernatorial campaign in The Simpsons. <laughs> so, I mean, just borrowing from Phil Wegman, I hope somebody, when uh, the big guy, Mr. Ten Percent, shows up, Offers him a glass of freshly squeezed water from the faucets of East Palestine. Oh, you Palestine. know he's not
3: going in anyone's house to even be tempted to drink that water. They would not let him touch that. And he uh, might even bother going. I mean, it's, uh, you,
0: it's just so such a photo op. Because he cares.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's why. Of course. Does anybody live there anymore? I mean, I know some. there's still some business owners there, but most people have moved out.
0: Uh, Palestine, Palestine. It's like uh, Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Uh, John the uh, president of the Center for the American Experiment, contributor of powerline, uh, that powerlineblog dot com. He joins us now. John, thanks as always for being with us. Um, were you uh, moved by Corinne Jean Pierre's dis- uh, description of the impetus for president to finally get over to uh, East Palestine, Ohio?
11: So, Dan, when when Joe Biden is done in East Palestine, he can come out to Golden Valley, Minnesota and survey the wreckage of my office, which was firebombed over Mm. the weekend, uh, presumably by uh, leftists.
0: Yeah, I I was reading about that. You were. Um, were you in D.C. when this happened? Because I know you were attending the Man mark Stein trial about yeah, the hockey Yeah, I, I was in
11: D.C. for part of this week. This actually happened Saturday night, about 2 o'clock in the morning. That would be, you know, Sunday morning. So the building was deserted. Uh, it's a, it's a good-sized building, but not very high, only about three stories, uh, a few miles west of downtown Minneapolis. About 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, somebody uh, broke into our building and they started two separate fires. On the ground floor, they started a fire in the corridor outside my office. Now, Center of the American Experiment is the the, the main conservative organization in Minnesota. We have 22 people working in that office, so it's mm-hmm. pretty good sized. Mm-hmm. And then we sublease space to a group called Take Charge, which reaches out primarily to young black people, encourages them to be self sufficient, you know, don't be victims, be victors, and so on. So we subleased that space to them. So in the corridor between our office and the take charge office, these arsonists started one fire. And then on the third floor, they started a completely different fire At the office of the Upper Midwest Law Center, which is a conservative public interest law firm, which I'm on the board of, they either started that fire right outside the UMLC office or they may have broken the door down and fired and started the fire inside that office. It is completely destroyed.
3: Well, you're so lucky because I know a lot of people work late night. I mean that nobody was in the building at the time.
11: Yeah, apparently nobody was in the building, but fortunately somebody saw the fire, called the fire department, they got there very fast, they got the fire extinguished, but it's going to be months before any part of that building reopens, and I don't know whether we will ever be able to reoccupy our offices, we may be, I'm I'm trying to sort that out with the building, the insurance companies, uh, and so forth, but in the meantime, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms is investigating the fire, per se, you know, causes of the fire, and the FBI is looking for the perpetrators. There's no question that it was arson. Uh, that that's, that's a given.
0: That, that's what they've concluded. They've already concluded that. Oh yeah, that, no, it's,
11: uh, it's an arson yeah. investigation, and frankly, it's obvious when, you, when yeah. you start one fire on the ground floor, different fire on the third floor. You right. know, that's not going to be a coincidence. Right. And that building is full of small businesses. There are psychologists and chiropractors <laughs> and financial advisors and so forth. And you know, they didn't target any of those people. They targeted the three conservative organizations. It's the three leading conservative organizations in uh, in Minnesota. So I am working closely with the fbi to try to uh identify potential suspects well do you
0: uh, have I, a I list of potential catholic. suspects
11: yeah. oh <laughs> I, 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 say that again.
0: I said i hope you're not catholic um is the uh is the uh, so the fbi mm-hmm. I, I, do you think they're going to, to devote the same uh level of intensity and resources that they devoted to finding the uh, pro abortion uh, types that firebomb the offices of pro life centers and pro family off and pro family groups and so forth.
11: Well, I hope it's not the same, Dan. I mean, so far so far it seems like we've had a good cooperative relationship with them. We have a camera inside our office. And uh, we have there's a, we have a door, but it's, it's pointed toward the door. There's a glass panel, just a thin glass panel next to the door, and I understand that our camera, even though these people didn't actually enter our office, they're trying to get two for one, you know, by by starting the fire in the corridor. But I believe that our camera actually caught some of the action, some of the arson action through that glass panel and and the only way you can really get to our building there's a highway and then there's there's a frontage road you know next to the highway and you can't really get to our building except on that frontage road there are cameras on that road and the number of cars on that road at two o'clock in the morning you know on a Saturday night is not large, not large and so you know it may well be that license plate numbers can be identified and and so i, I you know I have no idea whether these these arsonists will be caught or not, but it's it 's a possibility
3: well, just in time for election season, and if people want to see the damage that's done, go to powerlineblog.com and you could see it there. So are you afraid for your own personal safety? Do you have any security with you?
11: Amy, I don't have any security. I get death threats periodically but who doesn't? You know, everybody who's active publicly in the conservative movement, you know, periodically will get a death threat. And I've, I've sent a couple of those on to the FBI, but I, I, I think, I don't think it's one of those people. I, I think it's more likely, there are a lot of possibilities. It could be ecoterrorism. You know, we're very active in the energy space. We've done energy work in 16 states as well as D.C., uh, opposing wind and solar projects. Uh, ecoterrorism is a possibility. You know, we're very pro-law enforcement. After the George Floyd riots, we put up. 35 billboards around, around uh, the Twin Cities saying support our police and did a, p- a petition campaign mm-hmm. and so on. Seven times those billboards got defaced by people who left behind the Antifa symbol. So, you know, Antifa types are a possibility. Uh, we, we've opposed public sector unions, you know, that's a possibility. Uh, we've announced that our annual dinner speaker this year is going to be Naftali Bennett, the former prime minister of Israel. Uh, and so, pro Hamas people conceivably, you know, could have done this. Uh, we've been very harshly critical of the of the current Tim Walls administration in Minnesota. So maybe just a couple of rabid uh, rabid Democrats. I, I don't know, but there are there are a lot of possibilities. No, I, I, I don't worry about about my own security. Uh, but we will be talking to our landlord about about possible uh, security upgrades going forward.
0: Uh, again, I mean, uh, you've got. I- Maybe Ilhan Omar can make an introduction for you to oh, Cory yeah. Bush, and uh, she can tell you all about uh, cobbling together security details.
11: <laughs> hey, well, I'm not sure I've got quite the budget that some of those folks do. <laughs> yeah, but. well,
0: yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, obviously it's terrible that that occurred. I'm sorry to hear that. I, I assume, you know, thanks to the digital age, you'll, your people will be able to work remotely and you'll be able to keep the work at American Experiment going.
11: Yeah, we're a highly collaborative organization. Uh, we could work remotely for a while, but at the end of the day, you know, we need to have an office. We need to be together. So so I'm going to be looking. The, 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 our building is part of a three-building complex. I know there are some vacancies within that complex. I just haven't had a chance to do this yet, but I'll be talking to our landlord about maybe finding, probably not all in one place, but maybe in a couple of, of locations in the same complex, Some some temporary office space
0: uh since uh you invoked george floyd we were talking about um uh you know crime in metropolitan areas still as you guys uh talk about write about as well and just um uh, we we had a big announcement yesterday in chicago the mayor and the governor uh we're going to instead of sending 200 million dollars a year on violence prevention it's going to be 400 million dollars to try and reduce homicides by 50% over 5 years and you're hearing the same thing in D.C., in Seattle, in Austin, Baltimore. You know, it's not, we can't arrest our way out of it. We can't prosecute our way out of it. We have to spend our way out of it, essentially. And I wonder uh, what, what sort of status update you can give us about Minneapolis.
11: Well, we're in a terrible situation here. You know, after the George Floyd trial where the chief of police testified against Derek Chauvin, uh, it's kind of hard for the city of Minneapolis to hire police officers, you know. And just recently with the last... Days we've had another incident where the Hennepin County attorney, uh, Hennepin County is Minneapolis plus, you know, Hennepin County attorney ran up on a platform of not uh, prosecuting criminals. And she's been true to her word. She has now charged a state highway patrolman with second degree murder in an incident arising out of a very dangerous encounter with a convicted felon illegally in possession of a, of a handgun. And so, you know, here we go again with the authorities prosecuting the police instead of the criminals. This time, though, it may be different. He's getting a lot of public support. He's hired a very good, very aggressive lawyer. And maybe it'll be a turning point. But in the meantime, it's just very difficult for the police departments in this area to, uh, you know, to, to, to hire officers.
0: I don't know if we've talked to you since we talked to uh, Liz Cullen, who is the investigative journalist who did that Fall of Minneapolis documentary, but I wonder uh, what your reaction to that documentary was and what kind of impact it's having uh, on um, understanding of the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis.
11: Yeah, well, it certainly has been widely viewed. Um, I, I think there are aspects of it that, that are debatable, and specifically in connection with the George Floyd incident. I think that the way it, it traces the horror of the George Floyd riots and the impact they've had on the city of Minneapolis, which has been devastating, I think is, is right on the mark. Uh, and it's something that we who live here have, you know, have seen with our own eyes. You know the fact that they burned down. The the, the police were told to evacuate the third precinct station and abandon it to the rioters, and the rioters burned it down. uh, It hasn't been rebuilt to this day. That was a horrible, horrible moment in the history of of law enforcement in the United States, and it's one from which this area has not recovered.
3: John, is it recovering anytime soon, though, or do you think it's just gone forever?
11: I I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people who, you know, they still live in this metropolitan area, but they don't go into Minneapolis. You know, that's that's fairly common.
0: Yeah. Fairly common in Chicago, too. John Hinderaker, president of the Center for the American Experiment, contributor to Powerline, powerlineblog.com. John, good luck with uh, that situation. Uh, Keep us updated about, uh, you know, the status on that investigation as well as getting uh, getting new digs for the Center for the American Experiment, too. Will do. Thanks a lot, Dan. Bye bye. Yeah,
3: I'm glad you're safe. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line.
0: The stories you need
1: to know to start your day. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Only the biggest stories. Only the biggest guests. And only the biggest opinions. This is AM560,
0: The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Our friend Dan Henninger, that is, over at the Wall Street Journal, And the Washington Auditorial Board has been making the case for this uh, deal that we were told we don't know the details to. It's all Internet rumors by Senator Jim Langford from Oklahoma. But then he goes on Fox News Sunday with Shannon Bream and essentially confirms the details by responding to her questions about the details that have been circulating. So I'm a little uh, leery of the posture that Langford and McConnell are taking on this. And by extension... The Wall Street Journal editorial board Ann Henninger, who I I like a lot, but he writes, if the Republicans have been screaming bloody murder about migrant crossings and are on the brink of impeaching Mayorkas for not doing his duty, how can they justify allowing the Mayorkas policy continue unabated all this year? This is sort of the argument of take something instead of nothing, even if your accusation is right, that all it does is slow the flow in. But to that, I would say. Well, well, no, because it's going to be hailed as a solution to the lawlessness at the border. The attention will dissipate, the attention on this issue and on what's happening will dissipate. And so will the political urgency of doing something that is substantively in advance of border security as opposed to you know, performatively in advance so i i just can't go along with langford and the journal editorial board and our friend dan henninger but this is part of the discussion on the on the right side of the spectrum just to go back to what langford said in that interview and particularly the the one aspect of it that is the most talked about and repudiated this idea of, you know, 5,000 migrant rolling averages and then the border closes. So it's the the feeling the or essentially the, the assertion that, OK, we're going to instead of uh, tens of thousands on a daily basis and on some days, uh, it's OK if you're under 5,000 uh, on mm-hmm. a daily basis. And then but if you get if the rolling average, a five day rolling average gets over that, then all of a sudden we get serious about stopping people from entering this country illegally doesn't seem to make much sense. Doesn't seem like that's border security. Here's how Langford uh, explained it.
17: It would be absolutely absurd for me to agree to 5000 people a day. This bill focuses on getting us to zero illegal crossings a day. There's no amnesty. It increases the number of border patrol agents, It increases asylum officers, it increases detention beds so we can quickly detain and then deport individuals. It ends catch and release. It focuses on additional deportation flights out. It changes our asylum process so that people get a fast asylum screening at a higher standard and then get returned back to their home country. This is not about letting 5,000 people in a day. This is the most misunderstood section of this proposal. Let me tell you briefly what it is, Uh, in the last four months we've had seven days, in four months we've had seven days uh, that we had less than 5,000 people. This is set up for if you have a rush of people coming at the border, the border closes down, no one gets in. This is not not someone standing at the border with a little clicker saying, I'm going to let one more in, we're at 4,999 and then it has to stop. It is a shutdown of the border, and everyone actually gets turned around. That's the focus that we have right now, is how do we actually intervene in this administration and turn people around, not let people in?
0: To uh, help us understand uh, where things stand on the Senate side, we're pleased to be joined by Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson. Senator Johnson, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it.
16: Morning. Happy to be here.
0: So um, how do you respond to what Jim Lankford said?
16: Well, it's actually very difficult to respond because I have not seen a word of text. Uh, and quite honestly, he has not explained it even in that great of detail as he did on Shannon Bream inside the conference, even though I called a conference meeting to discuss this. Um, so, w- what concerns me about this in that conference meeting, the uh, senator asked Senator Langford for, well, what's your goal to these negotiations? And you know, I thought the answer would have been, well, to secure the board. You know, basically, what he was saying there. He said, well, we, we know this president's not serious. It's going to take time. So my, my, my goal is to make sure that the next president has the tools to secure the border. Now, that may be a worthy goal in divided government um, when you can't get Democrats to agree to anything because they want an open border, they cause this problem, but that's not what the expectation is. And here's my, here's my primary concern is by setting these thresholds you know you got 5000 where it's mandatory they shut the border down they they don't really explain how they're going to do that mm. but then at 4000 it's mandatory is this going to actually make it more difficult for a future president is this going to hinder a future president that wants to secure the border that he will not have the discretion that he bite right 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 now he ha- you know every president has the authority under section 212f of the immigration naturalization act the Supreme Court said it exudes deference to the administration. So the speakers argued this. People like Mark Morgan and Tom Holman have argued this. The president already has the, the authority to shut the border down. Is this bill going to make it, give the president less authority? Is this going to hinder a future president saying, no, you can't shut the border down. You can't use that authority that you already have unless it hits 4,000 a day. These are serious questions. I've been raising these now ever since some of these details started leaking out. I've gotten no answers whatsoever and when I ask legitimate questions, I expect to get answers to them and I'm not getting them. What yeah, about the
3: proposal one? to increase green cards by 50,000 a year. Any answers to that?
16: Haven't you got I've heard that. We haven't seen the text. You know, here's you here, they are saying it's going to cost a lot of money. Okay. Uh because you're going to have to hire agents to handle four or 5,000 a day. Once you normalize that, I mean, are we going to spend more money on sanctuary cities to, to make it easier on migrants I mean, more, more pleasant for migrants who all have cell phones? You're going to call down to Central America and say, yeah, across the border, eight hours, I was on a plane. I'm up here. They put me in a hotel room, give me good meals. You know, that's just going to incentivize. It's going to exacerbate the problem. Again, if that's, if it's in there, That is insane. What we need to do is we need a surge right now. Shut the border down now, which is basically what President Trump did over 12 months. He went from peak to trough.
0: Well, I mean, that's... Without uh, any
16: help from Congress, without any new change in the laws whatsoever.
0: Yeah, well, that's exactly the point that's so confusing. And I I don't understand the Langford position, and I don't think he's articulated even on TV about... uh, giving the the next president the tools well first of all if you don't believe this president is a good faith actor then what why why what is the purpose of this negotiation number one number two is right i mean mike johnson just gave a half hour speech on the house floor yesterday with you know detailing the 64 uh, executive actions president biden took to weaken the border and and some of the the key ones like end of title 42 and end of remain in mexico um, the, uh, and and um, and ending the construction of the border wall; these are obvious ones. So, if you did it by executive order, you can reverse what you did by executive order too. So, so it's not a question of executive authority; it's a question of executive political will. And Langford seems to be conceding that the executive doesn't have the political will. So, what are we talking about?
16: Well, you, you're exactly right. I mean, McConnell got snookered into this. Okay, but this McConnell's the mastermind here because McConnell wants funding for ukraine he realizes in his conference mm. that there's a division and they may not be able to pass support for ukraine they'd, they'd rather secure ukraine's borders than our own and so as a sweetener they came up with well okay we're, we're going to demand border security but he wasn't serious about it and so the first thing he took off the table is what we were talking about in our conference had a great deal of support is okay well if if, if we give them Funding for Ukraine, well, let's make that contingent on actually securing the border. Let's set benchmarks, you know, performance measurements, student business all the time, right? Uh, we were pushing that. Had a great deal of support in the conference. Without telling the conference at all, we've, we've learned that McConnell basically told Blankert, that's off the table. And we heard from Kristen Sinema, yeah, James never asked for that. So, so we, we took the le- exact leverage we might have had with the, with the administration wanting funding for Ukraine and took that leverage away.
0: Well, wait. So, so,
16: my stamp has been a joke from the beginning. Um, it, it is, It is. you know, they, they just got completely snookered, let's put it that way. And now it's been turned around, it's been twisted, where it's our fault that the border's not secure? I mean, this is beyond absurd.
0: Well, so McConnell, I mean, first of all, the EU just gave Ukraine $54 billion, so maybe that obviates some of our responsibility. But regardless of that, so McConnell... Is pushing a phony border security measure in order to give real U.S. tax dollars to Ukraine? Why would that be his priority over border security, particularly with the uh, with, with the exigency of the issue uh, in this election cycle? I thought he wants to be Senate Majority Leader.
16: I, I have no idea. Well, I, I think he's always thought that he could spend his way in the majority. You know, when he became leader of the Republican Senate Conference back in 2007, our debt Stood, you know, below ten trillion dollars. Now it's approaching thirty-five trillion dollars. And in all that time period, you know, there's been one constant fact: there's one, one been one person in every debt ceiling negotiation, every spending negotiation. That's Mitch McConnell. So he, he, he doesn't apparently care about mortgaging our children's future. He certainly hasn't dug his heels in ever. And here's just another example of it: another hundred ten billion dollars. He's not asking you to pay for it. You know, at a minimum, a Republican leader who wants to spend more money on Ukraine ought to be saying, okay, Mr. President, if you want to spend another $110 billion, 800 and some billion in our own defense isn't enough, let's take away some of your green energy boondoggle spending and at least pay for it, right? That's what a principled Republican leader would do. But instead, Mr. McConnell enters into, you know, false, phony negotiations on the border and comes up with this Rube Goldberg plan, is what it seems, it's not mm-hmm. going to steer the border, but just might have enough support to pass the Senate, but doesn't have a chance in the House. What's the point? And right. set us up to be blamed. Great job. Huh?
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, Senator Johnson, the question I have for you is, why is Biden doing this? Why is he letting thousands of people in every day for the last three years?
16: The only explanation I have is every one of those individuals coming across the border is very, very appreciative to Joe Biden and the Democrats. And they will become dependent on our system, and they will be reliable voters because the Democrats want to make cheating on our elections easy, which is what's all, what all – that's what mail and balloting is all about. That's what, uh, you know, pushing absentee ballots while you relax all the controls on them is about. So it's the only explanation I have because it's obviously a clear and present danger to this nation. You've got all the warning signs flashing according to FBI Director Ray. Uh, The threat from foreign terrorist organizations is as high as it's been since 9-11. Gee, I wonder how foreign fighters would get into this nation. Are sleeper cells already here? Is that why he's so weak on Iran? Again, this makes no sense, and the the vast majority of the American people want a secure border. So again, I don't know why McConnell would play into Biden and Schumer's hands, but that's exactly what he's done.
0: Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you, and uh, even more so after I read a memo that was put together by Cleta Mitchell, who I'm I'm sure you know, well-regarded election attorney, and she really gives the uh, details on the opportunities under the way that the Supreme Court has interpreted the National Voter Registration Act, the infrastructure at the state level. She really details the opportunities for all these, you know, say, 1.8 million gotaways, to wind up on padding the voter rolls, uh, and as you say, likely more for Democrats than otherwise. Has there been any discussion about that, uh, some of what Cleta Mitchell proposes as reforms to uh, statutory law, starting with the National Voter Registration Act, as well as the law that governs overseas voting for uh, ex military and expats uh, not uh, in this country?
16: Well, there's a real reluctance about bringing up uh, election law in Congress because elections should be uh, handled at a state level. And you start opening up on a national level, you see what Democrats are doing in terms of open border. You see what they want to do. So, you know, I I actually agree with on a national level Let's keep the hands off here. We need to concentrate on taking control over state governments and then establishing strong controls over elections on a state-by-state basis.
0: Yeah, I mean, with the balance of power, I understand. But, I mean, even just raising this issue to put the states on notice, I mean, I'm just citing from her memo here. For example, she asks, the Biden administration has ordered every federal agency to register everyone who comes in contact with the agency. So what protections exist to stop the voter registration of migrants by DHS?
16: Yeah, what we should be doing is using the power of the person. We do have a majority in the House. And, and not allow these agencies to spend any money in that manner. That That's mm-hmm. something we can do. We should be doing that. Um, but, but unfortunately, Democrats have a majority in, in the Senate, and those types of measures probably won't pass either. But we should be raising the issue. There's no doubt about it. I certainly have talked about the irregularities. I'm the only guy that held a... Uh, a hearing as chairman of committee about the examining the irregularities of the 2020 election. Of course, I got slaughtered for it. Yes. but there's, no, there's It's in, indisputable that there are all kinds of irre- irregularities in the 2020 election. The election fraud does occur. It's just a question of to what extent.
0: What do you think is, uh, let me put it down the way. Do you think the uh, administration of the election in Wisconsin this year is going to be better than it was in 2020?
16: It certainly was in 2022 because we, Got a lot more uh, paid poll workers. Over five thousand, we've signed up uh, over five thousand for this election. So now we have paid work, poll workers plus poll observers. So we're, we're keeping our eye on the process, and it did help in twenty twenty two. For example, Milwaukee got its election results in by I think eleven o'clock at night. So I knew I'd won, even though uh, Mandela Barnes hadn't conceded. But you know, we did improve the process. Now help it from Tony Evers at all.
17: You know, right. The
16: Wisconsin Legislature passed laws. He with them, but. Just having eyes on the process, I think, made a pretty big difference.
0: He is Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson. Senator Johnson, great to have you as always. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line.
1: Listen to Dan and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM five sixty The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, we'll talk January jobs numbers with uh, Jim Perry momentarily. But uh, here's a number that's interesting. Uh, the uh, papers with which i'm affiliated doing these uh stories looking at the cost of uh like real everyday project uh, products like you know groceries for illinoisans mm-hmm. the cost of uh, jewel osco chicken breast has increased 251 percent since 2020
3: yeah you know you know i complain all the time and it's called the jewels by the way
0: okay uh a pack of chicken breasts at the supermarket chain costs $6.99 per pound as of January 2nd of this year, which is $5 more than the $1.99 per pound price tag for chicken breast on December 16th of 2022. Mm-hmm. So in the last two years, 251%—well, uh, total increase, a 251% uh, increase in the cost of chicken breasts— which outpaces the supposed 2.7 percent inflation rate for food in the last year is reported by the labor department which is why it's hard to believe anything the labor department reports including the unemployment numbers. because i mean you know it's a government agency they're not susceptible to incompetence or cooking the books right
3: but i mean in whole on the average 20 percent more we're paying for everything like toiletries Shampoo, I mean, everything, you, everything at the store that you buy is not what it used to be, and it's never going back down.
0: Well, over, um, I mean, just to, to continue this, I mean, just in mm-hmm. terms of the, the real dollar amounts, uh, turkey breast, uh, December of 2020 was uh, $0.12 cents an ounce. Now it's $0.50 cents an ounce. Ground beef was three ninety nine a pound. Now it's 5 a pound. Uh laundry detergent seven dollars and ninety nine cents for an eighty-eight ounce bottle in December of twenty twenty. Now it's twelve ninety nine for the same bottle, seven ninety nine to twelve ninety nine. Uh ham, ninety nine cents a pound, four twenty nine a pound. Salmon, a five ninety nine a pound, six ninety nine a pound. Um and on down the line, uh the good news for me, uh not that what? I purchased these things. King Crab legs have stayed constant at 24.99 a pound. Oh, thank God. So, it's not impacting me and that's what's most important. No. But no, well, it's just dog food's really up though and
3: so is cat food. I mean, everything. Except Every King Crab item. legs.
0: Except King Crab yeah. legs. That's the okay. good news. So, you got that going for you. Uh 24.99 a pound King Crab legs thanks to your president Joe Biden stayed constant 24.99 a pound. All right. That's why uh, I don't eat crab legs.
3: Twenty four ninety nine a pound. No, nah, I'll go to McDonald's.
0: Uh, Jim Perry is the founder and CIO of Perry International Capital Partners. He joins us now. Jim, thanks for joining us.
12: Thank you, Dan. Good morning.
0: Morning. Um, yeah, yeah let me know if you want me to pick you up a couple of pounds of king crab legs next time I'm in chicago <laughs> uh that's that's where you get some real savings um uh, three hundred and fifty three thousand jobs says that same department of labor we were discussing created in new jobs created in january uh beat the street estimates uh, that's for sure um, can you give us any uh, color on those jobs how many public sector versus private sector for example
12: uh I don't have that Breakdown yet? It's still a little early for me. Um, I don't know exactly what that number is on public, but I would say this um, manufacturing was 23,000 versus eight. And it seems like the administration and most of the financial system will come out and say this is a great number and everything is great, except that there's a big problem and it dovetails into exactly what you're talking about with uh, everything except the lasting king crab legs. Um, Prices are up. Inflation is going up. Um, And uh, it's driven by wages, right? So if you look at the jobs report this morning, the one thing that sticks out in my mind more than anything else is that hourly earnings are rising at a year-on-year rate at 4.5%. That's the highest in um, 12 months, right, maybe 18 months. Um, labor costs are going up um, across the board. Uh, the economy is a service sector economy, so it's mostly really just getting out those goods and services that people want. Um, and the fact is, to your point on the Labor Department, the Bureau of Labor Statistics admits that prices, according to their measurement, are up 25 percent. Uh, from the pre pandemic level twenty five percent right that 's everything um, so we've got a we 've got a growing economy which is inflating that 's the bottom line
0: and that 's why uh, Powell this week was uh, reluctant to encourage those who think a rate cut is coming in march
12: I think that's right um, I think powell. Well, it's interesting. You'll appreciate this, and I think your your listeners will. Chairman Powell will be on 60 Minutes, right, on Sunday night, and uh, I think what he is going to talk about is that he wants to unwind the excessive monetary policy that's in the system, which is, you know, a tough sled politically when you're sitting in Washington, where everybody else that's in town wants debt to continue to go up and uh, interest rates continue to go down.
3: Well, what does that look like? I mean, is that going to happen?
12: I do not think so. I mean, I look at a lot of data in this business, and one of the things that uh, I picked up yesterday afternoon, last night, the Atlanta Fed, right, there's 12 regional Fed banks. Uh, the Atlanta Fed came out last night and said that GDP in the third quarter of this year is expected to rise by 4.2%, right, 4.2%. Furthermore, the prices, using the PCE, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Number, which is the Fed's uh, preferred measure of inflation, is expected to rise, get this, 4.9% in Q1 this year. These are huge numbers, and it's all about excessive liquidity in the system thanks to the government
0: so that means uh, the, um, the obviously there's no uh, fiscal restraints uh, on that side of the house on, in at the federal Zero. government and so and then you're gonna have you, you, that you, you've got to have Jay Powell play his part to continue to uh, uh, to to uh, inflate the feds balance sheet right
12: yeah I mean You know, I have said to clients um, all month, the last quarter or two, three months, that I really don't think that the Fed is going to cut rates in 2024. I think anybody that's in commercial real estate will cringe and think I'm a fool, and bankers will think that, and the fund management business will think that, and the bankers will think that. But these guys are talking their book, and all they want is more and more free money. And the stock market sees that. So that free money is coming. uh, The Peterson Institute, which is a nonprofit uh, sort of government watchdog, they came out with a report about three weeks ago and said that fiscal spending, this is government money that is printed that goes directly into the economy, bypassing the financial system. Since the pandemic, was 5.4 trillion dollars in the last four years. That has never happened before. Even in the World War II, and it's never happened before. This is unbelievable amount of spending, and it's 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 causing inflation because it's making uh, wages in the service sector rise.
0: Right. You prop, but but you've got to prop up consumer spending to prop up the stock market, and uh, that's certainly going to be the order of the day in D.C., at least through November, so it looks like it's going to be another banner year for the stock market, people scratching their heads, but um, what go long on the Magnificent Seven and uh, and don't fight City Hall, right?
12: Well, yes. Short answer, that's the way to play it. I mean, the Magnificent Seven... um the returns in the stock market for the Magnificent Seven last year were 75 percent, right? Seventy-five percent. Wow. Right. Right. Um, I mean, which is amazing, right? I mean, that's really an enormous number.
0: Yeah, and um, and then what do we have coming – the news this week, you know, after Zuckerberg has, gets excoriated for the performative excoriation of Mark Zuckerberg before the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he apologized to some parents on the story today. Record profits for Meta. I mean, you know, it's just going to uh, keep churning.
12: Yeah, it's, it's not only record profits. I mean, you know, their revenue, um, what do they say? The uh, fourth quarter profits tripled from third quarter, tripled. They grew 25% on revenues to $30 billion, which is the highest they've done since the pandemic. And net income went from less than $5 billion to over $14 billion in one year.
0: Right, it's, it's astounding, but it's so it's an
12: so, amazing number.
0: So, so why should anybody? But I mean, I would finish your answer. I didn't mean to interrupt, but, but in terms of like magnificent seven and and ride the the, the funny money, uh, fiscal Fed policy at least through the this the end of this year, is there any uh, caution you have for believing that to be the best play?
12: Well, I think that you know if you look at the S&P 500, the other sort of 493 stocks, really, you know, their earnings in this quarter will probably be flat at best, right? So, and you have to remember that the S&P 500 is really weighted toward the industrial sector of the economy, you know, industrial and goods and things like that. But this economy is a service sector economy, and, you know, professional business services and stuff like that, these job growth numbers are just enormous. And the fact is that the S&P really isn't a reflection of what has become a transformative U.S. economy over the last five to six years, especially pandemic. It, pen, the pandemic accelerated the trend that was already in place. you know. And I think that a lot of the people that comment on the market and inflation, they kind of cherry-picked the data that fits their narrative, right? I mean, you know, they talked about goods inflation coming down so hard from 9% to, you know, maybe 1.5% or something like that. Goods inflation in six months or 12 months is probably going to be negative. I mean, China is exporting deflation, right? The economy's collapsing over there. They're trying to sell as much stuff as they can at any price they can get for it. So CPI is probably going to keep going down. But that's not really the true picture of what's going on in the economy. The inflation is coming in wages. Wage inflation, uh, according again to the Atlanta Fed, wages are growing at, and this is just the Fed at you know 5.6 percent. And people who change jobs, wages are growing at over seven percent. I mean, this is not, this is not recessionary stuff, you know.
0: Jim Perry is the founder and CIO of Perry International Capital Partners, LLC. Jim, thank you, as always, for the analysis.
12: Dan, thank you. Have a good weekend.
0: Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro
3: answer line.
1: It's what Chicago is talking about. It's Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy on AM560, The Answer.
18: Open my
19: Call now. Open
0: mic Friday. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Yes, it's that time of the week. Taking your calls, 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line with comments, concerns, compliments, criticisms, general crack pottery. We'll take it all on open mic Friday, sponsored by turnkey.pro, which uh, is the proper Entree to our friend David Colsack, the founder of Turnkey IT. Good morning. David. Good morning,
20: Dan and Amy. How are you doing?
0: Good, Good morning.
20: Happy, insig- happy happy, insignificant rodent day, easy for me to say. Um, did he
0: uh, see a shadow I, I mean, or not? I didn't hear.
20: Uh, he did not. Apparently, we're going to have an early spring.
0: Oh, wonderful. Yippee.
20: So I saw this I saw this meme the other day that said, people believe a groundhog can predict the weather but those same people don't believe in science i mean what a joke uh the woke left want to everyone that doesn't think like them to label them as a fascist a racist or something worse you know so i've got some real world words for my liberal friends out there trump never removed his opponent from a ballot you did trump never used the government against his opponent you did trump never censored speech you did trump never stole an election you did The fact is that you're guilty of everything you accused him of doing. And people are getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. Everything that the left says is a projection. They project what they want onto their opponents and what they do. um, You know, they they project what they're doing onto their opponents. And we're waking up to that fact. Um, We're wiser for it. You know, watch for that projection. It's everywhere. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. So I was struck by the Russell Brand interview with Tucker Carlson. Did you see that one?
0: I saw part of it, yeah.
20: Uh, you know, that guy's incredibly well-spoken. Uh, he uses words that I don't think I, I know what they mean. He's articulate. He's, you know, passionate. Mm-hmm. And uh, his greatest attribute is authenticity. So here's a guy that grew up in a fairly normal middle-class suburb in the UK. He rose to stardom and he even married Katy Perry. Uh, he was in movies and TV shows and was nice. very recognized throughout the world. Um, you know, Brand admitted to having all kinds of addictions and his personal battle to overcome those demons – But on the other side of that dark period, Russell Brand seemed to have forced himself awake. He's no longer a card-carrying Hollywood liberal celebrity, but rather a resolved and authentic self who's calling it out as he sees it. And he's a fighter. Uh, He stands up for what he believes. So in exchange for his take on the Ukraine situation, which did not fit that narrative, he was targeted with some sexual abuse accusations, and he was taken off of YouTube and canceled. However, he kept fighting every day, and he used his influence over his millions of followers to spread what he believed is truth. So he's been outspoken, but through it all, he's remained his authentic self. That's my point. So do you know what the most powerful frequency to leave the human body is? It's the frequency of authenticity. Authenticity is 4,000 times more powerful than love. I just made that up, actually. But do you know when uh, authenticity (laughs) happens?
0: Okay, Poxitani, David. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, What was the question? What was the question?
20: What's the most powerful frequency to leave the human body?
0: No, I got that part that you made up.
20: Right. But yeah, but do you know what, when that ha- when authenticity happens? It happens when your words are truthful and you believe what you're saying. So it's really an uncommon trait in today's society is everyone wants to fit in rather than rock the boat. If a person lacks authenticity, they will never achieve a high level of success. And the people that seek success and don't seek significance never find authenticity. So this is the most powerful frequency to harness and leave the human body, and it's so powerful that it actually can change the frequency of the person you're talking to. When your words are truthful and you believe what you're saying, it's really powerful. So when I look back in 2015, when Trump came down that escalator, I think he was authentic, and that resonated with people. Not all of them, Dan, right? Right. But, but a lot wow. of us. So yeah. something that dovetails – into that authenticity is trust. And the general public doesn't trust the media anymore. And that's why Trump only grows stronger as they attack him. So you've got this guy who says what he means and believes what he says in the media claiming that it's exactly the opposite of authentic. So it makes me wonder what he might have on them as the vitriol just seems to get amplified. So you see authenticity is a problem today. And we see it in most celebrities. Uh, Look at this carnival. that's Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, whatever your take on that situation is. And I really don't care. It's Great marketing, at the very least, or maybe a giant psyop, or perhaps just oh, they're in love, right? God, uh, but what's missing
0: is—we're going to talk about that. I want to—I want to talk about that. So, just as a quick aside, we'll, we'll open up. I mean, for for uh, Open Mic Friday, well, this this Taylor Swift uh, psyop uh, business is really uh, a bridge too far. But anyway, um, so we'll talk about it. I'm glad you broke the seal on it. Go ahead.
20: Well, yeah, but you know, it's either great marketing, or maybe they're just in love, right? Or maybe it is a psyop. So who knows? Exactly.
0: Um, but I think yeah, can't, can't you celebrities... just believe in young love, David? Yes.
20: No, not I can't. It's just too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just
0: too perfect. it's Hollywood and script. It's not authentic, right? Yeah. Well, I, both yeah,
3: celebrities
20: I... are always acting, right? On screen and off screen, yes. they're always the same. They think about think about all those people. They've been reading this script, and you know, the script is stand six feet apart, wear a mask, take a vaccine, and and they're, those two are at the center of it. Uh, look at the tv commercials on the football games all all of them are still going strong in the face of this covid lie so none of that helps six feet apart so arbitrary and capricious but yet they got away with it anyway the idea of authenticity is four thousand times more powerful than love is real and people crave it that's why so many people love to watch and attend trump rallies some say trump is just acting and conning the public but i'll contend that he's you can't fake authenticity you either have it or you don't sometimes and I know this from just being me, authenticity can be off-putting because, and what was that Jack Nicholson line, you can't handle the truth. So to wrap this up, we need authentic people. The world is full of, of uh, people who will say one thing and then do the other. They're inauthentic or counterfeit or phony or fake. Fake celebrities, fake politicians, fake news, fake history. The world is craving authenticity, and it's almost like they're dying of thirst. And when you're thirsty, you'll drink the sand if you thought it would quench your thirst. So in this case, people are drawn to authentic people, which they see in Donald Trump, um, Tucker Carlson, Russell Brand, maybe James O'Keefe and there's many people many, many people are treated like rock stars at like at Joe's on Weed, right? So people seek them out, they hang on every word and they can't wait until their next podcast. So that's what authenticity does and I for one can't wait for more. Have a great weekend, guys.
0: Thank you, David Turnkey turnkey.pro, turnkey IT, turnkey.pro. Uh all right, uh 312-642-5600 turnkey.pro answer line. Did you want to take calls? Do you want to Offer something up? Do you want to comment on the Taylor Swift, uh, Travis Kelsey, PSYOP theory?
3: Well, Biden needs young voters right now, and what a great conduit to get to them than by Taylor Swift. Don't you think? I mean, why wouldn't they want her endorsement? Yeah. But that's not the issue. They're saying that Republicans—I don't know. What is the beef with everything? What's your problem with it?
0: Well, well, first, I mean, uh, okay, so— um, yeah, of course they want celebrity endorsements like every Democrat wants and gets celebrity endorsements. And Taylor Swift is the biggest star in the world. And so, of course, they want her endorsement. And if if Travis Kelsey wants to go on the road uh, and get everybody vaxxed while she sings a song and endorses <laughs> Biden, then they, of course, they would love that. Of course, all that's true. All this stuff, like there's a, a survey that one in five uh, Swifties will vote for whoever tra- uh, Taylor Swift says they should vote for for president. So what? <laughs> that, that, that is already baked in. The idea that there are people that would vote for who their favorite celebrity says you should vote for. I mean, yeah, but the coattails are not nearly as long as people think. Uh and and it's and it's redundant. They're they're inclined to be on that side. The, the celebutants are inclined to be on that side of the ledger to begin with. Of course, they're already voting for Biden. So, I mean, there's not a, a huge delta that Taylor Swift brings to the table. That's demonstrable in terms of all of a sudden she's going to what get. Uh, Teamsters to stay, you know, in the Democrat Party and vote. Uh, Taylor, I, I was going to cross over, you know, vote for Trump, but, uh, you know, Taylor Swift and that Travis Kelsey, they're just so damn cute. I can't. Uh,
3: America's royalty. I mean, I can't, I can't cross stand her. them. I just, I never wanted the Chiefs to lose, but I'm so sick of that relationship that I wanted
0: it to end. But, but here, here's what, I mean, uh, you know, uh, again, um, Taylor Swift is a. Pentagon psyop up asset. Jesse Waters uh, essentially said that by sort of asking a question but insinuating it. Uh-huh. Jack Posobiec at, at human events gearing up for an operation to use Taylor Swift in the election. Taylor Swift is an op, and Vivek Ramaswamy is you know, sort of saying that it's it's already scripted that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Um, Because, you know, it's part of this overall psyop. I I mean, come on, get 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 a grip that it was rigged that the game was rigged. the AFC NFC championships were rigged to have these two teams play against each other. And to Kosek's point about authenticity, you know, that's all well and good and you can ask questions. But that is uh, not. I mean, there are authentic conspiracy theorists, I suppose. But Vivek Ramaswamy is too smart to believe that that is not being authentic that is playing a part that is being a provocateur for the purposes of stoking paranoia because you think it will aid and abet you know your candidate that's but that's not being authentic because that that because all of this stuff about taylor swift and travis kelsey all week is just absolute silliness absolute silliness you know get get a grip here um distinguish between things that we have evidence for that suggests a proper level of skepticism that demand answers from people in positions of authority, like what we were just talking about with Ron Johnson about the border, but to sort of dream up these things about, uh, uh, Pentagon psyops involving a pop singer and track. I mean, first of all, I mean, I know you got me on this, but, you know, like oh, right. this is this is not the first you know, like celebrity and politics. I'm going to go. I'm going to go full Frank from Arlington Heights here. He, I hope I'm not stealing his uh, in-depth history from next week. Um, Nathaniel Hawthorne. Nathaniel Hawthorne, you know, the the great author. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, his most famous work is what? The Scarlet Letter. And when he he published the Scarlet Letter shortly before Franklin Pierce ran for president in 1852, and his Bowdoin College classmates encouraged him to write sort of the definitive uh, biography on Franklin Pierce, uh, and you know cast him in a heroic light, because Nathaniel Hawthorne was this popular figure because of his books and because of the Scarlet Letter in particular. And he writes this. He agrees to do this this biography and it, for the purposes of Franklin Pierce's election in 1852, and it was material in helping Franklin Pierce get over the hump and win the election in 1852. I mean, it's just one example. Like, that, like we think all these things are new, and it, and it has to involve some sort of global 21st century complicated. No. It's like an Alec Baldwin says, you know, if George H.W. Bush wins, I'm yeah. going to leave the country or Barbara well, Streisand well, well, well. says the same thing. It's just like it's 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 all media generating to move public opinion by people that have a following because of their status as an entertainer or something or an athlete. So it's not new and it's not that complicated and it's generally not that material. I will suggest to you that Nathaniel Hawthorne's book on Franklin Pierce in 1852 had more of an impact on that election than Taylor Swift will have on 2024. Okay. (laughs) All right.
3: We shall see. Oh, real quick. I just want to get this in there because the Chicago Tribune, Dan, the employees, they walked out. They had their 24-hour walkout, their first strike in 176 years. And um, I had a friend go to it because I know, you 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 know, I just wanted to make sure it was covered. It was hilarious because Dan... They're not used to being the news. They're used to covering it.
4: It takes a lot for for folks in journalism and media to step across and become part of the news story. We try and stay in back Hilarious. of that. So it's Please. really been pushed to our limit.
0: Oh my god. It's bad enough I had to go to the site yesterday because Greg Pratt told me not to go to the site because of their twenty four hour strike where the the, the uh, uh. propagandists of the world were uniting and so on and so forth. Now I got to listen to them, per, you know, pretend to be journalists, pretend to be selfless, oh, no. pretend to be uh, standing up for the workers' rights and all this other stuff. Here is the password, Alden Capital. I mean, it, you were dumb enough to buy the Tribune. That's on yep. you. Here's the password, Patco. <laughs> Patco, that place.
3: Okay, I just have one more sound bite because this guy, Kurt, I think he's, you know, welcome to the world, baby girl.
15: My rent just went up again today. Oh. It's up 20% since 2019, and that's just rent. My pay is up
0: 0%. I mean, right, so these yeah. are the people who are distilling information for you. Somebody that is that... That uh, ignorant. Clueless, yes. Yep. I mean, it's just great. No, I loved it. I love the whole oh, 24-hour strike. Don't go to the website. Don't read the paper. This year, We're not taking this anymore. Okay, princess. All right. Let me know how that goes. Uh, the
3: strike's over, though, now. It's 24 hours have passed. I'm glad we survived. Uh,
0: by the way, uh, we'll, we'll give a special recognition to anyone who can tell me uh-huh. who Franklin Pierce defeated in the 1852 election for president oh, of the United uh... States. And the parties of the two candidates. That's some real in-depth history. I hope Frank from Arlington Heights is listening and is impressed to know that I could sub for him in case he wants to take a teacher's institute day. Okay. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I'll send him an email.
0: Yeah. Uh. Uh, All right. Take some calls. Uh, Rick in Downers Grove. You're in Chicago's Morning Answer.
9: Hey. Good morning. Hey. You early in the show. You mentioned
11: that like. In Wisconsin, Biden and uh, Trump are tied like 47 percent apiece. And mm-hmm. I and I got to tell you, who are these people? And um,
0: there's, there's uh, who are which people?
11: There, there isn't a well, well, there isn't a clear demarcation between Trump's economy in the world and Biden's economy in the world. So I can believe it's got to be one of two things: these people are like completely brainwashed by CNN, MSNBC, and are never going to snap out of it, or
8: they're complete morons, i.e. Taylor Swift fans, and they will happily
14: do whatever celebrity tells them to do, God,
8: no
0: no questions asked, and no thinking involved. You know, you, you have can, a good weekend. Thanks for the call, Rick. You can be an idiot and a Taylor Swift fan, but that doesn't mean that Taylor Swift is responsible for you voting for Tony Evers and Mandela Barnes and Joe Biden and so forth. I mean, you know, let's... Let's work our Kamala Harris Venn diagram on this a little bit. How about All it? the
3: pie charts? Yeah. Uh, Dan Pierce beat Winfield Scott. Everybody knows that.
0: Uh, Franklin Pierce is his name. OK. Yeah. But <laughs>
3: no, I just said Franklin Pierce beat Winfield did you,
0: Scott. Did you Google that?
3: No, I had a text message to, to me.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, well.
3: <laughs>
0: well, there's this thing called the Google. And yeah. Yeah, I know. Did, the, the, did your texter friend Google it? I'm sure that they knew. Okay, well, tell your a friend to call him because then I'll query them on the 1852 race to see if it's authentic, and they didn't okay. just Google it. Did, did they give the parties?
3: They did not give the parties. Yeah. All right. So will you tell you us the parties. Text? Winfield oh, Scott sounds text. like a
0: Democrat. Uh, no.
3: <clears throat> Republican. Well, it wasn't the Green this, Party back then, was it?
0: This is why you need. Uh, <laughs> this is why you need book. Frank from Arlington Heights because. Um, who is the godfather of the Republican Party? Ugh, don't bring that up would, godfather. The I land leave. of
3: Lincoln. Yeah, and Abraham what year was Lincoln. he elected?
0: Oh God. Uh, and what year? What century was the Civil War? Seventeenth uh,
3: uh
0: Yeah, right. So Franklin Pierce preceded. Uh, well, he was a Democrat, and Winfield Scott was the Whig Party, which preceded the Republican Party. Okay. You see, yeah, a little bit of a trick question there. Uh, and what was Winfield Scott's rank? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, see if, your, see if your friend who's Googling and texting you knows that. All right. Uh, Melanie in Buffalo Grove.
7: Hi there, Dan and Amy. Good morning. Happy Groundhog Day. Didn't Franklin Pierce not get the Democrat nomination? Was he, like, removed from the ballot or something?
0: He was He was elected president in 1852.
7: At some point, though, he did not get the democrat support wasn't he once a democrat or maybe Mm -hmm. i need to go back to google
0: (laughs) okay
7: (laughs) but what i'm calling about okay yeah let's now yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah.
7: um Mm -hmm. and we have a primary coming up on march 19th and i am a precinct committeeman and i'm responding to there was a couple weeks ago on open mic friday and i've heard people call in like should i be a precinct committeeman um and i heard the story like i think you mentioned that in the old days you would have these township organizations and everybody would come to a meeting once a month and they'd all like applaud each other and recognize each other. And then they'd go home. And (laughs) I can appreciate that. (laughs) I've been an appointed PC for Vernon Township Republicans for about two years. So now I will be on the ballot and I want to be elected. And we do have people, I know Steve Bannon's precinct strategy has been mentioned a couple times. We have people who come from, um, you know, they've been, motivated by that we have all kinds of people we just need more um and the party is going to be defined by who is helping in the party uh i was a democrat probably most of my life and i voted for obama twice and then i voted for trump twice because i that's kind of where i was red-pilled a little bit Hmm. uh since the covid days and stuff and i don't feel i feel that people who say they're politically homeless aren't actually politically homeless they're just not participating and the dems have gone off the deep end and if we want to change anything especially here in illinois we have to organize and fight in in the way that is going to be effective and it's not going to be monthly meetings with ex-candidates or whatever kind of like slapping each other on the back and then going back to sleep for another two years or whenever the next Election cycle is so. For example, Vernon Township is the largest in Lake County. We have our northern border is like Route 60, Townline Road, down south to Lake Cook, um, east some of Long Grove, west parts of a little bit of Lake Forest, Medowa, River Riverwoods, Lincolnshire. We have 43 precincts, and uh, that's about like double what the average is. Most of these townships have 10 to 15, and we need to fill them with precinct committee men. And for me, um, the work that I've been doing the past two years, I see a different uh, role for the precinct committeemen. Uh, we should embrace technology. We should embrace like the future. It's not just knocking on doors, leaving our packets. Uh, we need to work the data, the voter data. We need to reach out. We have 8,000 Republicans who are unreliable in our township, and we need to find out why they're not voting in every election, what their issues are. Um, maybe what's keeping them away from the polls. Um, So I think it's a good idea to be a PC. I think it's the first step to get in there, to change things. Uh, When you're elected, you get to then vote in our convention. And over here we have the central committee members. So if you're not a fan of what the central committee is doing, we have in Vernon Township, 5th District, which is Aaron Del Mar, 9th District, which is Joan LaSonde, Tenth District, which is Mark Shaw. Once you're elected as PC, you carry your vote to your convention, and you elect those people, who then you know run things over at the state central committee. So for everyone who has a problem with that kind of thing, uh, this is how you get your foot in the door, and you actually start making change. I think yeah, it's, well, a voter,
0: well, yeah, well, and, well, and then you need to you actually need to. I mean, I agree with what you're saying, but you then you need to actually make make some change, even small change, like. For example, Absolutely. taking a taking a snake like Mark Shaw off the state central committee and getting better leadership for the state party, getting better leadership locally to make sure that it's right. consistent with that, and and that just isn't being done in very many places. So, I mean, I, I I agree that this is this is a good path that you're describing, and I agree that the precinct committee I mean, who's active and engaged and does the the hard work of of connecting with people and connecting other people to each other. Um, No, it's a powerful political force. It just is mostly inert within the Republican ranks in this region.
7: Right. It is. And I know that there's a ton, a ton of people out there that uh, would be so effective if they joined the ranks of PCs. Um, And the more we have here, the more work we can do to make change. For example, Mark Shaw was like Lake County chair at one point as well and then yeah. you know he was voted out it's like incremental steps but consistency is key and i just think if you're a voter and all you do is vote especially here in illinois you're doing the bare minimum you know like uh, you, right. you need to do more because voting is like at best like maintenance of of whatever this is and at worst it's you're just contributing to the dis- dysfunction of the republican party you know like you have to do more than just vote i, yeah. I even beyond you know pc the need for election judges, and not just election judges, but actual Republican election judges that can be vetted and, and you're like, yeah, you're a Republican. Um, we There's so much need in the political process. You have to participate in the process. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to call because I'm a PC for Vernon Township Republican. Um, if you are in our township, our website is Win. We have really built up a good site i think and a good communications outreach to bring people into our group and you won't be alone and we have training and we you know this is the the grassroots you know boots on the ground effort that's going on here and i think that we should change how we do things and we are changing how we do things but it definitely takes more people
0: thanks for the call melanie appreciate it uh tom blue island
18: Hey, good morning, Dan and Amy. Dan, I just wanted to piggyback on something you've been talking about all week and what I believe his name is David started the show, uh, the Open Line Friday out with, in reference to authenticity. So uh, Jim Langford had two two comments that I thought really were explanatory. First, he, he made a Hillary Clinton smarmy-ass comment in reference to no one standing there with a clicker, kind of – Reminded me of her that uh, did someone wipe her server with a cloth. And to his point, if there's no one there with a clicker, then how is there any kind of number of how many people are coming in? And the answer is he doesn't care how many people are coming in. It's going to be just an effort to make some kind of a deal that makes... Uh, Joe Biden looked like he got some kind of uh, something accomplished on the border. And who would trust Joe Biden on the border anyway after the last couple of years? And just one other one other quick point in reference to that. He said he made a comment if there was a rush to the border that they would shut the border down immediately. And that gets to what you've been saying all week, Dan. Then just shut the border down. If you have the ability to shut the border down, if there's some kind of rush, then you're making an argument you could do it if you wanted to. And that has to be the starting
0: point. Thanks for the call, Tom. Uh, Well, I mean, I don't think we should keep a head of state waiting any longer. Kevin,
6: (laughs) uh, (laughs) a.k.a.
0: the Prime Minister of Ireland, Mm. who uh, vacations in the winter in Ogden Dunes, Indiana, strangely enough. Kevin,
9: I have a huge breaking news announcement, inauthentic hope and change, huge announcement, bigger and more consequential than anything since maybe the end of World War II. Now, since he's running for president, I will leave it to the governor, J.B. Lizzo, to formally announce this. But I'm going to whisper to your audience that the Windy City of Big Shoulders has been saved, and may I say, this is the kind of excellence that happens when your selfless elected officials, hard-working problem solvers like your Prime Minister of Ireland, spring into action. Very specifically, Dan Proff, I first approached the Israeli Knesset. They laughed at me. But then I got the city council of Tel Aviv to pass a resolution backing a ceasefire in Chicago. Thank you very much. You're welcome. (laughs) And I will relinquish the remainder of my time to the speaker in my stereo.
0: Thank you for the call, Kevin. (laughs) Yeah, it's very very Babylon Bee-ish. Yeah,
3: because they came out with that, that Gaza has voted for a ceasefire in Chicago. That was their headline today, the Babylon Bee.
0: Tom Barrington.
10: Good morning, guys. I can't believe the Mick beat me to the to the joke. Damn it. Um, hey, I just wanted to give a shout-out to James O'Keefe. I don't know if
8: you guys saw that video of the gay date, but that was ever- absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, I was
3: wondering if he was one of the guys in the Senate chamber who recorded something, if it was the same person. Oh, Uh.
10: That was classic, and the guy just spilling the beans, and he's like, you're in cybersecurity? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. What the (laughs) hell are you guys doing over there? Anyway, have a great weekend.
0: Thanks for the call, Tom. Uh, Kevin, Austin, Texas.
15: Dan, Amy, thanks for taking my call. I love it when I can listen to uh, talk about authenticity. Then it goes to uh, the Swifties, and then it goes to Franklin Pierce in one Wonderful thread of consciousness. Yes, I a lot it of, it's
0: yeah, a lot of range. Yes.
15: Oh my gosh! And then I got in. It even had me looking on Wikipedia as I was on hold talking to you guys. Mm-hmm. But somebody beat me punch. Anyhow, I love the fact that uh, it was that Melanie who called in for the North Side. Uh huh. She yeah. broke through as far as the grassroots. And one thing I wanted to mention: yeah, you do have to change leadership as far as the hierarchy, but you can become a leader as a precinct uh, committee chair. Anyhow, that, that's. You know, I was listening as you, so that thought came up. But I wanted to talk about a way for the uh, violence protection is possibly give parents uh, a scholarship so they can send their kids to schools that would actually instill character.
0: Oh yeah, we used to we, we, we used, to, we have used to, to have those have scholarships. That. Yeah, right. I remember those. Yeah,
15: yeah. Five, five minutes ago. We're going do two hundred million dollars for that. So
0: yeah, you know, right. So, yeah. That's a good point, Gavin. Yeah, right. I, you know, you can, yeah. the $200 million increment they're dollar increment—they're—they're going to spend, this public-private partnership to prevent violence. Right. $200 million is scholarships. Oh, wait. We we eliminated the tax credit scholarship program. Mm, the ironies abound. Oh, I wanted to get this in, too, by the way. Um, I mentioned this. Uh, a, you know, these. Um, you know, we've t- talked about these stories before Valentine's Day. I know we've got a, a little time. I think we do. What, a couple weeks or something? Yeah. When is it?
3: Oh, it's your big holiday.
0: Yeah. <laughs> kidding. Uh, anyway, um, you know, like the San Antonio Zoo made a name for itself because it gave, like, people – you could name a cockroach or a small mammal after right. your ex and feed it to a zoo animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this was, like, a way to, you know, raise money and get attention for the zoo. It's was pretty, pretty shrewd marketing. Um, well, there's an, another play here. This is pretty good. Um, Pet Adoption Center. In Blackwood, New Jersey, Homewood Bound Pet Adoption Center, in Blackwood, New Jersey, is offering to let donors name a feral cat after their ex, and then have it spayed or neutered.
3: Oh, and watch them cut off the naughty bits. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I kind
0: of, you know, the, the, yeah, the satisfaction. That's pretty nasty. You could get. I mean, well, do you get it's to watch?
3: Bad. I mean, do you get to participate? I, I, in I don't know. You,
0: you give them a call. <laughs> I don't, I don't know all the details, but I just like the creativity.
3: Well, I have feral cats, and I'm always looking for more feral cats, so can you imagine if I had a group show of, like, this is Bob and Steve and Jim?
0: Well, it's a great way to, you know, <laughs> to, to have some sort of cathartic experience vis-a-vis uh-huh. your acts without, you know, violating the law. Uh, Joe in Arlington Heights.
5: Hey, good morning. You mentioned Nathaniel Hawthorne. And I did. Uh, not not, not pe- a lot of people know that he was also a poet. And since you mentioned him, I thought maybe I could share my favorite Nathaniel Hawthorne poem.
3: Oh,
0: okay. Of course.
5: It's it's called Go to the Grave. Go to the grave where friends are laid and learn how quickly mortals fade. Learn how the fairest flower must droop. Learn how the strongest form must stoop. Learn that we are but dust and clay, the short-lived creatures of a day. Yet do not sigh... There is a climb where they will dwell through endless time who here on earth, their makers serve and never from his precepts swerve the grave to them is but a road that leads them to that blessed abode.
0: Uh, Joe from Arlington Heights is our Poet Laureate. He is Chicago's Morning Easter Poet Laureate, so we give him the option to read a poem or to provide his own original work. Thanks for the call, as always, Joe. Uh, to that, I'll respond with this a tender rap about Kamala Harris and J6.
7: September 11th, 2001. And January 6th, 2021.
19: News flash, nobody gives a about it. We all admit that was pretty dumb, but that's about it. When we saw the news, we were shocked and we were kind of tense. Like, damn. Then we forgot about it by the 10th. Nobody's walking around stressing over Jan 6. It happened and that was it. We haven't gave a damn since. It's all good when riots are kept in the hood. But now you're freaking out because this was in the neck of your woods. Now it's a big deal. Now it gets real. Now it's important to us. Not back then in 2020 when stores were boarded up. Not back then when goods were looted and folks were brutalized. Not then, but right now. Because it happened to the suit and ties way above my head we were all year with demonstrations that left dozens dead but people like nancy didn't flinch in fact they loved it then people will do what they do bitch ain't that what you said there's literally compilation videos of you and all your colleagues inciting this kind of crap so it's very fascinating to watch you swallow your words you put your own foot in your mouth and now you're forced to dial it back it's fine when you encourage it in my town in his town and her town when the whole cities being burnt down you smile as you give the green light for mobs to rob but as soon as it comes close to you then it's a problem
0: got it nice that's pretty good
1: it's what chicago is talking about it's chicago's morning answer with dan and amy on am 560 the answer
0: thanks for listening to chicago's morning answer podcast sponsored by signature bank